Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Show that never ends. There's still time. The AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're back for another pat show of footballing chat in Canada's longest running soccer podcast i don't think we mentioned that enough we've mentioned it a couple of times i kind of always kind of shy off blowing my own trumpet but just stuff that afshin said on friday which we'll play in the fourth part of the show tonight just got me thinking about stuff and it's like we we should talk about our, our achievements a lot more and it's like yeah longest running soccer podcast in canada going since 2013 aftn next year celebrates its 35th anniversary overall as well so a a lot to be proud of and a lot to talk about this week we're going to talk whitecaps we're going to talk major league soccer we're going to talk canadian premier league we're going to talk the the playoffs there we've got some interesting audio from vanny sartini steve chirundolo maxime crapo that'll be interesting to see what feedback we we get from that one. And our feature interview, Whitecaps-wise, is with Richie Larea. We're also going to bring you some chat from Afshin Gotby and Rob Friend with a Vancouver FC spin as well. That is all to come. Before we get into that, though, Zach, how has your week been? Yeah, it's been an interesting week. I, if you had warned me, I could have gone upstairs and got my trumpet and brought it down to, you know... To, to trump, blow trump. it? To trump to trumpet your uh, achievements. I've tried blowing my own trumpet in the past. Oh, I'm, a bit more yoga maybe is what I need to to help me out in that regard. But yeah, you had a good week. Yeah, it's been a, like like I was saying off the show. It's been it's been a weird kind of weird week because the place I current work, work uh, serve and work at is celebrating seventy five years of being around, and the place I worked at before this and served at before this. This weekend celebrated their fifty years of being around. So, and then next next year, thirty five with AFTN <laughs> anniversaries all round. Exactly. And of course, exactly. the White Cats were their fiftieth as well. Exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. So just it's been a weird week, a weird couple of weekends of like celebrations and gatherings, and yeah, and this weekend seeing people I haven't seen in like forever, uh, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I I 
had the Whitecaps game obviously on Saturday. I mean, it's a it's a busy week. I've got games like Whitecaps Saturday should have been a game today. We'll come to that VMSL game tomorrow. Then potentially three games on Thursday that I'm going to be watching in person. And then I'm commentating on two games on Friday and two games on Saturday because the, the college playoff starts. But today was an interesting one. I've I've not made it out to SFU this season because the games have all been clashing with Whitecaps or with a UBC commentary. So they were meant to be playing last night against the University of Billings from Montana. But the fog came down the mountain, so the game was called off until today. So I thought, I've got a free Sunday. Well, I was maybe recording the East Five podcast that I do, but I'd been that, so I could go to watch SFU for the first time, particularly to see Michael Hennessy from the Whitecaps Academy, who is on fire and just scored five goals in the last game. Yeah. This is a good AFTN or good uh, Glory Days of Gold episode to probably miss, right? It it was because I hadn't. I mean, it was good. It was good that you edited it. That's that's probably the. It's always good that I edit that. Most important part. Yes, I mean, it's always marked explicit. Oh, oh, is it? Yes. Oh, yeah. These five one always is. It's just f bombs left, right, and center, or as we call it in Scotland, adjectives and verbs. (laughs) But yes, I went up to SFU this afternoon for the game. I'm driving up the mountain, and I'm like, I can't see the top of the mountain. This does not look good. And you've been up there before yep. when it's foggy. Oh, yeah. Got to the stadium and couldn't see a thing. I was like, this is not good at all. So I went down. Referees came out. The good thing about doing all these League One games is I've got to know quite a lot of the local referees because usually we sit beside the fourth officials or the referee table or whatever. And I, I said to the guy, I was like, this isn't going to be on, is it? And he just looked shocked. He's like... We went in to change 10 minutes ago and there was no fog. <laughs> you can catch up on you quick or come up on you quickly there, yeah. Yeah. So it, they waited half an hour, long story short, to see if it was going to clear and it didn't. So the game was called off. I, I looked to see how far away Billings, Montana is from SFU. <laughs> it's 14 not... and a half hour drive. Yeah. I've been, I, I, have I been in Billings? I've been to Montana before. I had a buddy, uh, a friend of ours in college, uh, was from Montana, and we would go down from uh, Regina, uh, well, I think once or twice, to visit his parents and, and hang out for like a long weekend or whatever. Yeah, it's it's not close. It's not not close uh, to here at all. The, the game's not going to get rescheduled, so I don't know how that affects like SFU just now. They're, they're top of the GNAC. They're, I tweeted out that I feel this is the best SFU team since Alan Koch's days. One of the former players. Connor Glennon said, I think you've forgotten that we won the GNAC in 2018, which I had, but this team has the makings to have another one of those historic runs that SFU had. So I'm hoping to get out Thursday night to take the game in, weather permitting, because it's meant to rain, and rain leads to fog up there and various things. But it wasn't a wasted day, Zach, because on the way down the mountain, stopped into Kensington, got some Cockney King fish and chips. Oh, nice. Adding to a very unhealthy weekend. Did you bring some home for Caitlin? Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I got a two-piece oh. for, for us to share when I got home. So, yeah, she had some as well. It's like, huh, you think you're losing weight on a diet? Well, wait till you see what I've got for you. <laughs> and it's been an unhealthy weekend because we had fish and chips, we've had pizza, and then 
Friday, we we had, I, I like my Indian food, and they had a good deal in Save-On for Viji's Indian cauliflower wings. Now, this didn't have any chilli rating on it. It just said spicy cauliflower wings in a, in a ginger and chilli sauce. I think this is the hottest thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> and Caitlin also does not like spice. I like a bit of spice. She doesn't like it at all. It was a painful eat. <laughs> you can imagine what the next day was possibly like as well. I told Caitlin that she should tweet out, RIP my asshole, but she was worried if she did that, folk would think I died. So we just we just left it. Oh my God. But yeah, it's been an interesting weekend. Last little bit we'll talk about in the intro. We've got to, we've got to talk about the goat retiring. Not into an Indian curry, just to, to point that out as well, or a Caribbean one. But Christine Sinclair mm. hanging up her boots, literally over a crossbar, which... Uh, one of the guys on Twitter had said, isn't it going to be it, funny if it's just a new boot deal for Nike? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Alan from... Uh, yeah, it was. It was Bar- Alan Street, from... Yeah, Barn Street Battalion, yeah. Mountain Hamilton. Um, I mean, yeah, she might he's, just he's be... A, he's, a, he's got a great sense of humor, so that was on, on, you know, spot on from him. I mean, you see a lot of boots hanging over telephone poles in my neck of the woods as well, but I think that's got a whole different meaning in East Van. Yeah, didn't we, we were talking yeah. about <laughs> But yeah, I mean, some folk thought this day would never come. And I mean, we, we won't get into to all of sync in this episode. We'll, we'll save that mm. for the games that are, are coming up. Probably save it actually for the two BC games, which haven't been officially confirmed. But I think everyone knows it's going to be a game in Langford and a game in Vancouver in December. And mm. the rumours are it's Australia that's coming, which I'm delighted by because I was very much and captured by them during the Women's World Cup. So to see them here in, in itself, never mind having such a great send-off as well, it is going to be two fantastic games. Yeah, they were, I think, yeah, if, if they play Australia and BC for those two games, I think it'll be uh, a, a good, really good level of football and good challenge and stuff. But the, for their sake, you kind of hope they don't get done by Australia. Like they well, did that crossed my mind as well. Uh, the other thing as well, like when Australia were based in Vancouver during the Women's World Cup, they trained oh, yeah. out at Empire. So I went out to quite a few of the training sessions and they were the most welcoming team. They like they didn't know me from Adam. I don't think Adam went to many of the training sessions. So. But they, <laughs> like they made me feel so welcome. Um, they let me watch the whole training sessions. There was none of the other teams where you had to be locked in a tent. You couldn't watch anything. I was allowed to sit on the benches beside them watching it. And they were like, oh, who do you want to speak to? And they, they were telling me, oh, you could speak to this person. This is a good story. And they were so nice and generous that I've always had a real soft spot for them since. And you know me, I love my girls down under as well. So big fan of all the Australian and New Zealand TV shows and music and stuff so yeah that should be should be really good it's good for Langford as well to to get one oh, of those yeah. send-off games well because Langford too remember was that was like the month of the pandemic started it was Langford oh, yes. hold, hold, uh, the, the Ticos in the men's in the men's side right yeah oh yeah for, for actually genuinely forgotten about all of that because that seems yeah. so long ago now oh but they did wait they, they've had Nigeria they've had, there before yeah they've, Nigeria, they've had a game there since for the women yeah and that wasn't that wasn't a stellar game either. So hopefully that this was, one is a lot better. Was that the two two? 
it was a draw. I want to say it was nil nil, but maybe it was a maybe it was the two two. Oh, because it was two games and one of them was two two for sure. Yeah, but it should be a great occasion. She is a fantastic servant to her country. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into. I mean, genuinely, I feel this is maybe a little bit overdue, but I understand why she wanted one more World Cup, and she also wanted to then help Canada get to one more Olympics because a lot of folk were like oh why doesn't she just hang on but you can keep saying that it's like well the next thing's around the corner the next thing there's a CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup at at some point she's got to make that decision and she's playing another year down in in Portland as well so folk will still get a chance to, to, to see her play and then Project 8 coming in 2025 you know the rumours are going to swirl that she's going to be a, a head coach there. I did ask her about that last year, I think it was. She's dig out the she audio. She's she no she interest. Be a coach, yeah. yeah, no interest. Doesn't want to be a GM like Karina either. She sees the work that Karina has to deal with. That's not for her either. So you could imagine she's going to be an ambassador. Who knows? Maybe a commissioner for the league or something. I, I think she's going to want to stay in portland no she has said that that is basically her home and she has settled yeah, there yeah, so. yeah i yeah i wouldn't be surprised if she stayed in that community and and, and was involved in some sort of footballing way in the community yeah. there maybe maybe even with the thorns but um yeah that's true or the university or, so, or something of course because she came through portland pilot so yeah. i mean so much of her yeah. life is is down there but yeah good we'll old, talk a little more little field good old merlot field oh, i love that it that is one of the best lower league stadiums in North America. I just love, love it. Love how close you are to the pitch. And you always tell me you used to have a nice, like say, have a nice red wine when you were there, right? Hey. Well, that's it for our intro. I guess we should get into the the meat and potatoes of the show to go with that red wine that Zach is pouring himself. <laughs> we're going to talk Whitecaps in this part and the MLS playoffs because. The Whitecaps playoff path is now officially known and the schedule is now known as well. When I first drew up the rundown, I'd put in it, it's four o'clock, literally, I'd put it's four o'clock, still don't have the the schedule for the games, it was meant to be out today, and I'd said to Caitlin, it was meant to be out today and it's like seven o'clock in the east, it's not going to come out now. Literally, two minutes past four, MLS email with the schedule. So I think they're bugging my TV. That's what Apple, oh, they, the, the Apple season pass, sure, they're, they're listening to me. Sure, they were just working out some some of the details on what stadiums are available when, right? Like that's Well, yes. Or, and, and or what Apple TV wanted. Because, for example, Seattle couldn't play because that's yeah. a Seahawks game. So they've got a yeah. game on a Monday. But we'll, we'll get into all that in a sec. Let's feature on the Whitecaps for now. Because the, the one old draw with LAFC... Saw the Whitecaps finish 6th in the West, 13th overall in the Supporters' Shield standings, and that's important for MLS Cup hosting, because they're quite down the picking order for that. I may be thinking quite a bit far ahead there, I know, I can tell by your look. But that 6th place finished, set up a best of three series with LAFC, which we'll, we'll come to the playoff series later on in this part. It also has secured seeding for next year's League's mm. Cup, which means they will host a group, if it's the same format as this year, which you'd imagine it would be. So they'll host a group, so they'll have two 
home games in the League's Cup next year. More football, why would you not want that? But so two by two, you mean it could be three because they could be hosting a Mexican team's home game? Yeah, that would be the thing as well. It's like whether they want to have all the games here or whether the Mexican team's like, well, we're not going to really draw a huge amount of fans in Vancouver. We'll go and play in Seattle or something. Yeah. So they they could do that. But yeah, potentially it could be three League's Cups games here. Now, the, the draw with LAFC... It had its twists and turns, which we'll get into a little bit. We won't delve too much into the game because there's so much other stuff to talk about coming out of it. It wouldn't have mattered in the end if we had won. The result, yeah. Ryan Gold, we all know, missed two penalties. The crazy thing is, and hat tip to AGR for this. AGR. You looked it up on Transfer Market. (laughs) Good man, AGR. We've spent a lot of time with Alex over the, the last couple of days, me in particular, Friday and Saturday. Love being in Alex's company, it's always a, a joy. My seat in the Whitecaps press box this year, I've got Alex to my right, Har on my left. Oh, makes yeah. the game so much more entertaining. We are just watching Decision Day play out yesterday on oh, our various yeah. laptops and stuff and just chatting. And it it's, it's great having Alex around. And we're very fortunate with the media that we have in Vancouver. We're small, the soccer media, but the ones we have are very passionate about the game, very knowledgeable, and it's it's great company to be in. I'm getting sidetracked here, obviously, but ultimately, he had looked up that Ryan Gold, in his career up to last night, had only ever missed two penalties in his entire career. And then he doubled that total in one night. Mm. Once, thanks to his former friend... And once, thanks to a horrible crossbar that was clearly too low. Wait, are you saying they're not friends anymore? Yeah, they are. They they got on well here. Max, <laughs> as we'll hear from Max later, Max said they were very good friends here. They had a little bit of banter, which the fans took a little bit more as banter. Uh, I actually said afterwards, not to Max, if Ryan wasn't such a nice person, if it was a- another Scottish guy, I'm not saying myself... When Max was in his face, I'd have been whispering in his ear, you should watch because that next time that the ball comes towards that leg of yours as I go for it, I might just leave my studs up. Just put that thought in his head. But obviously folk are a lot nicer than me. But yeah, if Ryan had scored, if we'd won 3-1, it wouldn't have mattered a jot. We'd have still been sixth because every other result went against the Whitecaps on decision day. Yeah. It was crazy stuff. It nearly didn't work out that way because as we were sitting watching it play out, Colorado in the opening five to ten minutes laid siege on RSL and could have had a couple of goals. It was, uh, but it was another great day out at the at the ground, right? Like, oh, yeah. well, I mean, great crowd, twenty five thousand yeah. one hundred and forty six. And and again, just to go back to one of our long ongoing conversations or whatever, it was one of those times this year where. You feel like the actual people in the stadium was cl- closer to that number than further away from it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I felt like all twenty five thousand people were there. When the teams came out, there was so many empty seats, yeah, and Alex I, and me were saying, "Wow, this is going to have to fill up rapidly." It yeah, filled you, you up knew, rapidly. It was yeah. crazy how quickly that filled up. And you knew there was at that point. You knew there was at least twenty three sold, right? Yeah, because so, it had been 21, then it was 22, and then we'd heard it was over 23. So they've obviously yeah. had a lot of good walk-ups as well. I was speaking to someone beforehand as well, and there was a worry 
because we've talked about it on the show before. When the white caps draw good crowds, they kind of shit the bed a little bit. Yeah. It, and I, it, after the first half, I was worried about that again because it was not a good first half performance. But the second half, I think everyone went home quite buzzing. I think, yeah, I think the game as a whole, I think people would have had, a, you know, a really good time. And it was for the, like a new person or someone who doesn't go very often. I think it would have been uh, quite a good game. The it, If they knew, it would be helpful to know that, hey, yeah, these missed opportunities didn't end up actually changing the overall outcome. But I know you always talk about, and I know there's still playoffs to come, but in terms of uh, the league campaign sense, you talk about how important it is to send people away happy. And I, mm-hmm. I think, well, there were some people who were definitely happy. And then there was obviously some people who had strong emotions because of Maxime Kripo. But Yes, but, we'll, we'll but, come to that shortly. Let, let's get into the, the goals that were scored. Mm. A Buanga banger. Yeah. Now, Gold, golden boot, boy. It was pretty obvious he was going to get the golden boot barring a miraculous last day performance by somebody elsewhere. So that, that's going to be the second time that someone's won the golden boot at BC Place, following on from Camilo. And I quite liked that he got his 20th goal to basically secure it in the game. So we got to see the guy win the golden boot, score as well, and what a goal it was. Yeah. I mean, you could say... It was a Berhalter mistake. It was a loose pass. Yes. It was well cut out by, I think it was Sanchez that cut it out. Quickly played it inside to Buanga and like and he, he was kind of, yeah, his forward was great. And the decision to shoot early was good, obviously. But it was weird. He was like in this sort of in, uh, surrounded by four players. He was in this like yeah. perfect pocket of space with four opponents, four whitecaps around him and, yeah, the decision to to shoot then, I think maybe caught tackle off guard. I don't know, but it was I yeah, mean, it was a great it was a great shot. We saw the damage that he did in the Champions League against the White Cap. So it's not a guy that you want to no. give a lot of space up. So it's like, we'll put four players around him. Fine, I'll just shoot from here. Bang. Yeah. And like the start of the game, like Vela and Duang had had a couple of chances and Yohi Yohi had made three saves in the yes. first five minutes. Because yes. I said yeah. to Alex, hey, we could be on for the record breaking saves if this keeps up at this rate but the thing was like what we were talking about pre-game was the white caps should just go for it they've nothing to lose they can't be worse than sixth so just go Mm. for it like take the game to la put them on the back foot you don't know if you were going to play them in the playoffs or not at some point obviously we now know but it's like make them think oh boy we don't want to be playing them and like give them a torrid time but lafc came out super quick Whitecaps got back into it. Cripo saved the penalty. And we'll talk about the two penalties after we talk about the two goals. But then the, the Whitecaps, they just... Vanny said the missed penalty woke them up. The missed penalty, I felt, for the rest of the first half, put them to sleep. They just didn't look interested or dangerous. The second half, they woke up. And they got their equaliser in the 58th minute. And... I need to watch all the Whitecaps goals back for this year, of which there's a lot, thankfully, this year. This was a great team goal, and it's going to be right up there for me for goal of the season. It was like a double give and go, right? Oh, yeah. Between Vite and Richie? Uh, Yeah. The shot. Fantastic movement. The shot, though, like, did it take a weird. Did did he hit it into the turf or something? The way it. No. The way it went to the top corner was just sort of weird because. Yeah. 
Trey Poe was an awkward moment because he was falling or diving to the one side anticipating and it went obviously the opposite like the opposite corner right I thought Ali had mishit it when I first saw it because I thought oh he's fallen over not connected with it properly yeah. but when you see it back and then especially when you see Tom's photos of it because he was right behind the goal Ali did what he was trying to do there he leaned back perfectly and just caught it so that it took a weird kind of it left his foot weirdly and mm. then just lobbed into the top of the net. But if you watch it back, as soon as it leaves Ali's foot, Ryan stands with his arms up. He knows it's going in the back of the net. Mm. Yeah, I think I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen Ryan's arms go up. I didn't realize how quickly they were. But yeah, the, yeah, the, I mean, it was it was it was it was a it was a good team. Really, like you said, a really good team goal. And Viti and Larea, that link up playing the, the double given goal, beautiful, and the pinpoint yeah. delivery. And I mean, let's we're going to hear from Richie Larea in the next part. A, a very frank and candid interview, actually. I was yeah. very impressed with our chat with him. This was his best game as a white cap so far. Yeah. And I think it was nice for that Ali scored because it's been a little while. Yeah. And hey, uh, he said that himself after the game. He basically felt he's had a good year, but he says, folk, just look at the stats and you look at my stats and what's lacking is goals. So he got his second of the season. And he celebrated in style. I was so happy it was him that got it. Like, they had to vote in this week for under-21 player of the year. For under-23 player of the year. Uh, so for me, Ali is my number one choice for that. I put Sebastian Berhalter second, because you, you do your top three. Because mm. I think he's been a bit of a, one of the unsung guys. So I think he's had a, a good year as well. But delighted for Ali. It was a great team goal. And as I say, might be right up there for me for our Whitecaps goal of the season. And that, that was how it finished. LAFC possibly could have won it with a couple of chances late on. I think a draw was probably a, a fair result. It was an entertaining game in the end. Was a bit worried at half-time. Let, let's talk about the two penalties, because Steve Chirundolo wasn't happy with the officials. He said he could see why the first one would be given from his angle, but no, not for the second one at all. He says, if you're given penalties for that, you're given penalties for everything. Uh, I thought the second one was the more well, obvious of the yeah, two. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. Like the, the second one, you, I could see, I could see the, uh, I could see VAR not sending it to the referee because let's be honest, R Richie's being clever. Oh, right? he just stopped perfectly. A split well, second stop to well, get he, clattered. He, yeah, and even where it almost looks like he knows where the legs are coming and he puts his he goes in right at the exact spot where he knows he's going to get taken out. I, I'm, I'm not saying that totally negates it from being a penalty, but I could see someone in a VAR booth being like, uh, I think he meant that, so let's just let's just uh let's just leave what the referee called in the field." Although the referee's called in the field also, didn't he give like a a corner and it should have been a that was for the, for the first one, yeah. For the first one, yeah. yeah. The second one, to me, yeah, it should so have, clear. yeah, it should have been a goal kick because Hollingshead's pointing. He's like, he's like angry he's like, that I didn't touch it. Yeah, yeah, he's angry. It's not a goal kick. Yeah. That anger soon changed to even <laughs> yeah. more anger. But it's like, it's, yeah. what's a penalty now? Yeah, but the second one to me is no. He gets clattered through the back. And yeah, like he does. It's not like he Meyer Bevins it. I mean, it. He, he gets clattered. Like, what do you, what do you want? Like, what do you expect to happen? And I'm sure if he watches that back, he'll have a different opinion that he might not share publicly. But yeah, Trundle, that is. But oh uh, no, yeah. Also, Richie's face when he goes down the box, 
just like the kind of like disbelief that he's been yeah. like brought down. It's gonna gonna get lots of penalties. I mean, he, I thought he was outstanding. He's got got the assist, some great play all round. Won the two penalties and like absolutely fantastic. The first penalty, got to say, it was a fantastic save by Max as well. Yeah, it, yeah, that was very very quality. Uh, the second one. I thought Ryan would go the same way. I genuinely thought he'd go the same mm. corner, and then he tried. To, I mean, he feels he tried to go be too fancy and just tried to place it too much because he knew that Max was going to get down, I guess, but just got too much on it and skied it. Well, on the broadcast with Dolly, right? Did you hear what Dolly said? No. Dolly said he he feels that. Um. He felt that essentially Crepo had gotten into Gold's head so mm. much so that Gold felt he had to be perfect to score to score on this on the second one, which made him try and like you know aim more right like for that upper corner, and that made him you know put, it put him off a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean psychologically now. Well, and there was the shenanigans, of, right? There was well, the yeah, and it's like Max should have been booked way before. The, the ref eventually brought out the yellow card. Ten yellow cards in the game, one of them to Chirundo. Yes. And it was like eight to LAFC altogether. It did not feel like that kind of game. Chirundo said afterwards, it's like it was like Halloween had come early. He was giving out yellow cards like candy. <laughs> he, he's, he can be very an entertaining quote. We're going to hear a little bit from him in a sec, just talking about the, the playoff series to come. But... It, it was a good game. It was an entertaining game. But psychologically, penalty-wise, because these games could all go to penalties in this best-of-three yeah. series, yeah. Max now in Ryan's head already, but also, hey, I can save penalties here. Whereas mm. we've seen Yohi in the League's Cup, and he had a couple of saves, but not the best penalty saves or stopper that we've we've had in a, in a white cap goalkeeper. Maybe Bomer will be better and we'll get a little sub or something just before the final whistle. If it's going to go to that, that would be interesting. Risky that, in a 90-minute game as well. Yeah. I should ask Fanny about that. Is that something he would consider? Because we're starting to see that more and more. Starting he's gonna, to feel like special teams. He's going to publicly say no, I think. Even if even if that's something they are considering, right? Yeah. He's not going to say that ahead of time. That'd be giving too much away. But, I mean, I mean the thing is, with LAFC, right? Um, was it McCarthy? Isn't he like a shot... Uh, penalty shot uh, specialist yeah, as well, and he, actually, he, yeah, won, he, he, won the, he won the cup for them in, uh -huh. right in the shootout. So, they, I mean, LAFC has kind of oh, that's an interesting two, one as well. Two two, key, two keepers that are you know respectable at penalties uh, or have good experience with penalties, but yeah, they they could even maybe that's something that they comes into play for them. But pro, yeah, well, I mean, talking about the the goalkeeper. For LAFC, the man of the moment for the black and gold, Maxime Crapeau, former Whitecap. I don't think we need to remind anyone of that. The fans certainly let him know on Saturday that they haven't forgotten about the way he left. We'll get into that in a sec. I'll play you some post-game audio from Max just now. A few of us headed along to the LAFC locker room just to have a, a chat with him. Chatting about the game, his recovery as well and a little bit of Canada. Here's Max Cripple. Did you need one tonight? 
Somewhere. A bodyguard. Yes, maybe. <laughs> How did you enjoy that? Uh, the penalty saves, I'm sure you would enjoy. Yeah. You did get some abuse. Yeah, I mean, it's part of... Uh, it's part of the passion that people have for the game, you know? Um, it's part of it, and uh, it, it is fine. It exists everywhere, uh, and uh, you got to carry on. That's it, you know? It's, it's one of those... Do you relish in it? Do you kind of embrace it? Does it pump you up when you're playing back here in Vancouver? Um, yes and no. I don't honestly pay attention to uh, the booze or you can hear it, obviously. I'm not deaf, but um, I don't pay attention too much. What's important what happens in between the, the white lines. What are your thoughts on playing Vancouver in the first round of the playoff series? You guys have played them quite a bit this year in other competitions. Correct, yeah. Champions League and then uh, twice. So that's going to be, uh, yeah. Number five uh, next week, I believe. So um, we don't know each other well, both teams. Uh, so we got to rest up and prepare for uh, what's coming next week uh, in LA. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a studying game, you know, uh, where we did well, what we did wrong, and uh, take advantage of the home field, of course. Take us through those moments before the uh, panel kicks the first one. Yeah. Uh, right. Have the little encounter, and then the, the second one takes through those moments. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ryan, what a, what a person, what a player, you know. Uh, I love him. I love him like crazy. And on the field, uh, because I know him really well, and he knows me really well, I had a little chat, and uh, these things happen, you know, and, and uh, that's it. Same on the second one. Did you know uh, which way he was going to shoot on the first one? No. No. Good luck. Yeah. Your own personal journey. What's this last ten months been like for you to get to where you are now? It's been a hell of a roller coaster. Uh, it's been a hell of a roller coaster. Uh, actually, in November, if, if it's coming soon, it's going to be one year. Uh, it took nine months to get fit, ten to be to be fine and without thinking about it. Uh, obviously, the first months are really difficult physically because you are uh, on one leg basically on crutches and can do too much. Uh, and then after that, you gotta learn to do everything. <laughs> you gotta learn to do everything again, from walking to jumping to running. Uh, everything is a learning process. So uh, it's been it's been a, a long road. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, sort of an injury like this now, uh, when I look back on it, uh, I learned a lot about uh, what I can uh, oh, uh, what I can do uh, when a long-term injury uh, happens. And uh, it grounds you to what's important in life, which is health, family, and the rest is just secondary. How's the leg? Now? Really good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Finally, finally, do you, really good. Do you good. still feel it when you when you play? Do you think about it at all? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, the first game that I played with the second team uh, back in LA, I had a 50-50, and uh, the guy kicked right on the shin. Same place, similar type of play, uh, and I didn't even think about it. Didn't even hurt, and I got up and I was like, "Yep, it's over. It's gone." So uh, it's definitely out of the way. Yes. So Max, what has kind of been the biggest? challenge i guess since coming back and playing these games but also mm. been what's been the thing you maybe missed the most about playing the back on oh the game the the game day the adrenaline uh the passion that's the, what i missed the most uh not only club level the national team as well uh really and so um I've missed the most was uh, being out there uh having fun uh with a smile and uh enjoying these moments with your teammates yes you mentioned the national team. Was it like being thrust back into that, knowing that you guys got some huge games ahead with Canada as well? Yeah, we take Jamaica home and away, uh, and it's uh, it's not friendly, uh, so it counts. And uh, 
our goal is yes uh, to to reach the the Nations League final like we did, uh, but not only to reach it, but uh, we've talked about the the program. We all know uh, the situation of the program. Moro is entering for now, but uh, put a staff that went into Japan and uh, it's it's now performance oriented. It's performance oriented, and uh, not only we need to oh. to get there and send a message to the Concacaf, okay. but in the meantime. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, reach the final again and uh, qualify for Copa America. So it will be interesting to see how many folk have switched off the podcast. <laughs> now, after I bring you the audio from Max, because I went into the Whitecaps Facebook page today, also a risky thing to do. Yeah. The hate is big time for him. And yeah. and I get it. I, I understand like a player leaving, the way that he left. I, I think the way that things were said and then the things that were subsequently said have just made matters worse for, for Max. There was an incident that I felt did cross the line a little bit, but it was also stupidity. I'm assuming the the video interview that was getting done was by LAFC. I don't actually know who was doing the video. Maybe it was Apple. Whoever it was anyway, they decided to interview Max in the tunnel (laughs) in front of the Southsiders. Yeah. So all you could hear, because we didn't know what was going on, all we heard was like, Fuck you, Grippo! Fuck you, Max! Fuck you! And all this other stuff. This is getting marked expletive now. But yeah. it's like, we were like, what? Oh, well, what's going on? And then we looked and we're like, they're filming a video with him in front of the fans? Yeah. Well, I mean, JJ's picture is kind of awkward too because it, a lot of the people who are at the railing look like they're children. They're children? Yeah. But I'm guessing the abuse came from the, the other side of the tunnel. Probably. Would be my guess. What would be my guess? Knowing, knowing some of those yeah. people. <laughs> I mean, JJ shouldn't have been shouting it, to be fair. But... <laughs> I mean, he's a passionate man. But yeah, I mean, I I, I, I get it. It so, was stupid to film it there. I have no idea what they were even thinking about doing that. Kind of oh. across the line. Like, if a guy's doing a player interview, it, I, I just don't think yelling that during the interview is great. But Max played it down, as, as we heard there, just saying, oh, it's passion, it's what the game is. You could tell... If you, I don't know if there's video of it. it. It was done also on Zoom, so there might be video that comes out on the LAFC side. You could tell he's a little bit pissed off and maybe a little bit hurt that he felt it was quite vociferous this time. And it's it's going to be interesting if, and that's a big if, I think, the Canadian men's national team ever come to play a game here again. If he's the starting keeper... What kind of reaction does he get then? Because it's not white caps, but there's a lot of animosity there, and I understand why. Personally, I I've always liked Max. He's always been great with us. He's always given us time. He's been very generous with his time. Even yesterday, like chatting to us as well. So it's hard to balance. But I've had players leave my clubs, and you you hate them with a passion whenever they come back you give them that abuse I've done it myself I've given abuse to players that had nothing to do with our club as well but that's a whole other story yeah I totally get it uh, I, cry, 
I mean, obviously those th- there's those, those are kinds of things you know. Like I would I would personally never be be yelling. Um, you, you would I, just hit someone with a flag. <laughs> oh, that's funny on so many levels. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I, it, it is a it was an awkward decision to to shoot a video there. I, I, I'll give you that. Um, but then again, I think you should expect some type of even if he wasn't. Even if he wasn't a former player who had left in the way that he left, you would expect people to be yelling things from from that that one that part of the ground and yeah to, in that in that in that environment or in that moment. But this is whatever. The, but, the um, thing is, they need after everything I've said, they need to ramp it up now because it's like playoffs. So it's like if you can get a reaction or get under his skin in that playoff game, the fan really are the twelfth man there. But don't take it too far. And don't throw anything at him. I was really worried that it was getting to that stage that someone was going to throw something at him. Especially at the end of the game when they were doing the interview, like a beer tossed over him or something. That didn't yeah, I was gonna happen. Say, you're, expecting, you're expecting people who've been consuming a bunch of alcohol to yeah. act, act wisely? Yeah. It didn't get... Not that I saw that anything like that happened. So, I mean, hopefully not. But yeah, that was, that was Max. Very candid. And... Like speaking about the positive side of it, he, he spoke about how hard it's been getting back to this level and the fight back and he's questioned himself and all these things. And he, It's important for a player like that, a keeper, not to let that play in your mind. So he, he doesn't think uh, about it and has had challenges in training where folks gone through on that leg. And as a goalkeeper, you can't let that play in your mind because yeah. that's, that's your career done then. Because it's like you're just not going to be the same. Yeah. But yeah, he could have a big part to play in these three games. Could. Mm. Let, let's let's look at how the playoffs look. Because at one point on Saturday, as we watched Decision Day play out. Now, the East's Decision Day was way more exciting than the, the Western one. And I am gutted that I missed the big drama because we'd been watching it and I had to go and do the, the pre-game radio, which I, I love doing the radio oh, yeah, uh, yeah. with Ace and Colin anyway. It's like, don't get me wrong in that regard. I would be on their whole show if they would have me on the whole show. It's like, I just love doing that and chatting to, to the guys. So I'd gone up to do that. And when I went upstairs, Montreal were in the playoffs. When I came downstairs, yeah. Montreal were not in the playoffs because yeah. of a 94th minute penalty for the Red Bulls that extended their postseason streak to 14 seasons. Incredible stuff. Well, but again, Montreal, correct me if I'm wrong, Montreal had it in their own hands and lost their game. They did. Montreal just had to win. Yeah. Easier said than done, though, in Columbus. True. But it's like, yeah, they they had to win. A draw could have done it for them. They ultimately lost. Charlotte held on, like, for grim life in the closing stages against Messi's Miami, who were throwing everything at them and just came within inches of getting a goal that could have changed things as well. But, I mean, heartbreaking for for Montreal and leaving the Whitecaps as the only Canadian team that's that's made the postseason this year. Yeah, and only two out of three Cascadian teams. Yeah, we'll come to that in a sec. I mean, the, the Eastern matchups, everyone will have probably seen it now, but it's Cincinnati against the winner of the wildcard match between the Red Bulls and Charlotte. Orlando play Nashville. That should be a really good series, that one. Columbus, Atlanta, I think should be good as well. Looking forward to that. And then Philadelphia and New England. 
in the West. Wait, can we can we, can we talk about the relegation uh, spots in the in the East? Oh yeah. Did so you, did, I mean, did you see the Toronto game? Yes. <laughs> I I just fast forwarded through it today just to yeah. see the goals. Uh, Maguire, that first goal. Oh. I mean, I I thought well, Michael Bradley would have waited to retire after the match, not like during a play <laughs> where the ball was coming towards him. Although to be fair, I actually thought he'd retired earlier this season from watching him play. I also fast forwarded, so I feel like I missed something because in the pregame it said he was playing center midfield, but on both the goals it looked like he was clearly playing center back and getting beaten really badly by the yes. same player. That ball, that high ball over the top, that then he flicks over top of Bradley oh. is, and then the oh, shot the finishes. Wow, the shot was even better, if you will. Was it was crazy, and you could just feel like Bradley's like, oh, this is like you you want to. Dig a hole and 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 hide, um, but then the second one again is is oh. it's even easier. He just plays the ball past past Bradley for for him to run onto and uh, a, a much more simple finish. Did you see the banner at the beginning of the game? No, with the ultra- no, I just literally fast forwarded oh. to put on you the goals. Where. The banner was I can't remember what it said. It was something like this is not good enough or like whatever. Like, was this for Michael Bradley? <laughs> no, it was for the. For the for John Herdman, wow, he's he's uh, getting the critics already. Oh, it was for the owners. It was for like the Bill Manning <laughs> types or whatever. It was uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I, th- I think they'll rebuild well in League One Ontario. Yeah, I then, they should get relegated. That would yeah. be like MLS next for them. Well, next well year? The, there's there's no Canadian clubs in in USL, so I mean it has to be League One Ontario. But yeah, the the East was very dramatic. The West, not so much, but. Let's talk about Portland. Wow. Yeah. I said to you last week, oh, there's no way Houston's going to go there. They've won two away games all year. And it's like, at best, they'll get a point. Whoa. Uh, I mean, Portland, as much as we don't like our Cascadian rivals, they had worked so hard to turn their season around and get into that position to just throw it away in front of their own fans. Yeah. Wow. And depriving us of a potential trip and me of another trip down the Oregon coast. So absolutely gutted all right. <laughs> you can still go down the Oregon coast. Just yeah, you Well, at one point football. on Saturday we were playing Seattle. Yes. When LA took the lead, it's like, oh well, Seattle it is. And I was like, Oh, awesome. Because I knew the Seahawks were playing. I was like, that game's gonna be on a Monday, I can get down to it. My commentary won't mess that up. And it's the day before our wedding anniversary as well. We can have a lovely trip. Wait, so you're not going? Are you not going to go to LAFC away? Well, I can't. I'm commentating on the Canada West semi finals. Surely you can get someone to fill in for you for that. Oh, no. I'm not missing that. Uh-huh. I If there's a game three, I'm going to go. Oh, okay. Okay. That's uh, good. Yeah. I, I've already told LAFC that. And Mark's. Mark DeSantis has already said, anytime I want to go down, let him know. He will look after me, sir. Yeah. I'm going to hold him at that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the good thing about having the another three games against him was I didn't get a chance to speak to Chiellini after the game. He was going to speak, but then he got caught up with other stuff. Had a very brief hey to him, and that was it. He was so good when we spoke to him after the Champions League. I'd love to... Mm-hmm. Hopefully, even sort something out that we can get a nice 15, 20-minute chat with him. That would just be spectacular. So, uh, we'll go back to the Portland briefly. The one thing I forgot about from the Portland game is that, um, was it not, was is Steve Clark's the keeper now for yeah. Houston? 
and I think he's a trash keeper. I'm sorry. Jingle jangle, jingle jangle. But he, yeah, he he got one over on his old team pretty badly there. Mm. The way it did play out, I mean, going into it, I was hoping to avoid LAFC or Seattle. The form that Houston's in just now, and after how they played in that Portland game, because not only did they win, they yeah. looked very good. Very good, yeah. I'm very happy to avoid Houston in that best of three series. I think, I genuinely think we've got a chance against LAFC. But I also we've had some good games against them this year. I also think, having watched the the game this week where they were trying to get ready for the playoffs, think that uh, you're right about maybe about St. Louis being, mm. you know, clinching early and and not looking good. Well, they've ended up winning the West by two points. Yeah, they were coasting. Yeah, talk about all these records and everything. Yeah, they're not. Well, yeah. look who they're playing. It's the winner of the wildcard match between KC and San Jose, and you have got to be fancying my Johnny Russell lads. They are in fine form at the right time. Did you see his goals? Of course. And I voted for him as player of the of match day, because you know how on, on Twitter you can click, yeah. I vote Russell for. So I did that, and I had a couple of replies going, yeah, of course you did. Harris like, shocked. Yeah. he. Uh... I vote for him every match day, whether he's scored or not. I don't know if you noticed his, his second goal. He happened to nick the ball away or block the ball, block the clearance from Boxy. Did you see that? At least Boxy scored. At least then Boxy went down the field and scored. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah. Minnesota, though, I mean, they they threw it away. They they were looking on for a playoff spot for much of the season. Yeah. But like St. Louis playing KC, if that's how it works out, do not yeah. fancy St. Louis. I mean, it's a, it's a huge derby game as well. KC were obviously trash at the beginning of the year, but they have a lot of Wiley veterans and a yeah. Wiley, Wiley coach. And, and full, full credit to Peter Vermees yeah. for turning that around and the players as well. Because yeah. I, rem- I always remember Johnny's interview where he's like, I, d- I just I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what, what's happened. They found a way and they did it in style. That run that they've had, them in Houston, for me, are the informed teams going into the, the playoffs right now. Mm. And before we get to the, the Whitecaps playoff game, so it's St. Louis against the winner of KC San Jose, Seattle hosts Dallas. That is nowhere near formality for Seattle either. That could be a very good series. LAFC Whitecaps and Houston Real Salt Lake, where definitely fancy Houston in that one. Mm. So it's LAFC. If that goes the full three games, the Whitecaps and LAFC will have played eight matches this season. Wait, it's just like USL playing Mar- a Mark DeSantis side. Eight, it's eight, it's like times Scottish League Two when East Five get four for breaking or are both in a cup and another cup and then another cup and then play them four times in the season. Do you, do you remember there was a year where I think it was nine times that the, the, yeah. the, it was against DeSantis as Montreal side. Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. It's not great for the game, to be honest. No. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we talk about the the Whitecaps ticket sales department. At least there's lots of um, sellable sellable parts to to those games. They just have to say, do you want to boo this guy and just have a big picture (laughs) of Max? (laughs) No, but you know what I mean, Chiellini and Vela. Oh, no, yeah. 
whatever. Yeah, and Kalini played in this boing, one as well. Golden boot, boing. Yeah, exactly. Because one of the LA journalists had asked about Kalini. It's like, do you, do you have concerns about him playing on turf? And it's like, well, he played today. No, he's like, he's here to play. Yeah. Interestingly, like talking to Kalini, I think he could have another season in him, not as a regular starter. I don't know if LAFC would want him for another season. Him and Vanny get on great. Vanny almost got him here. You were tweeting about that, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, realistically, he could see out his career here, and I would be all for it. Like, not necessarily to play regularly. Like, be, be this backup guy that comes in whenever you need it, even if it's away games on grass and the odd home game. Yeah, he can have lunch or dinner pasta with uh, Ancelotti when he's in town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it's what he would be to that dressing room. Because, like, folk won't see this, but after the game yesterday, he was the last LA player to go into the dressing room. He was signing autographs. He was meeting kids. There was a group of kids. He got photos taken with them all. He was signing shirts, chatting to everyone that wanted to talk to him. What a guy like that could do. I, I can't remember who it was. Someone tweeted saying that if he'd come here, he would have been treated yeah, yeah. the player yeah. that he is because of the big Italian community and everything. Whereas he's kind of but an the, afterthought in LAFC. Which well, I, I but, wouldn't say he's that, but he's in a team with a lot of other star performers. No, but yeah, I, I think I saw a tweet about that, about, oh, you know, he's like lost in, in La La Land down mm. there. Like, no one knows who he is or no one cares. And part of me is like, Maybe that's not so bad for him. Maybe that's probably well, what he, he likes. Like Scott Arfield said, that was a big thing about going to to play for Charlotte. It's like you're not under the microscope that you yeah. just had in Glasgow. Whereas, yeah, if he was in Vancouver, the uh, Italian community would be all over that. Like, but, I mean, a, a season here to finish his career, that would just be tremendous. And from an off-the-pitch point of view as well, like the marketing just the appearances, getting the Italian community along to games, getting the ticket sales up. Yeah. That, that's a discussion for another day, which I will obviously throw to Vanny at some point down the line. So the, the playoffs, it's a tough one for the Whitecaps. There's no getting away f- with it. And like, Vanny after the game wasn't full of all his kind of rancour and like, saying, oh, we're going to go and do this. Played it down, knows it's tough games. And it's going to be a tough opponent to beat. And to do it, they know they're going to have to go and get a win in LA. So I, I like that he wasn't getting totally carried away. But they've shown they can compete against them. They've got a win down there against them this year. Games go to penalties if they're tied. Um, Chirundolo felt that Vancouver's a much improved team. Describe them as scrappy. But he says they're one thing they're consistent at which isn't results, because if they were more consistent in results, they would have finished higher, but mm-hmm. is they are consistent in finding spaces for certain players and creating chances. And you know those players are gold and white that he's talking about. Yeah. Now, I'm not a fan of the playoff structure. It's, I don't like the best of three for one thing, but the, having a week between games is absolutely ridiculous. And it spoils it. And then... After this, you've got the international break before the semi-finals. So once again, you're killing all the momentum that you've built up from the playoffs. And like so everyone you, knows it's money. Did you say a, a week between games? Yeah. So you'd rather these be midweek? Like, I, yeah, I would much rather that you were having it every three to four days. Right. 
Because you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like on, yeah, the, the way they've elongated things is awkward because of the best of three, and you assume at least one or two in each conference is going to go the distance, which needs the space. Yeah. And whatever. But I, I swear, like in in past years, I've heard you say the opposite thing of like, hey, the playoffs are coming thick and fast, and there's too many games. Like, like you know, because before it used to be like the playing game is on the. The Wednesday and then the winners playing on the Saturdays, maybe somewhere else, and then and that then the I next don't Wednesday mind. No, like if it's straight quarterfinal, semifinal, final should be weekly. But oh, you've got okay. a best of three series. Oh, okay, it's just, just ridiculous. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Because like right now we're in LA next Saturday the twenty eighth, a five o'clock kickoff as well. Then Sunday November fifth at BC Place with a four thirty p.m. kickoff. Yes, that's interesting, eh? It's great in terms of fans from the island, maybe the interior coming along. Shit for me because I am likely commentating on the Canada West women's final that day that I am going to be in the ear of UBC to make sure that that is one o'clock that day <laughs> so I can get down to that. But yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And then the third game, Thursday, November 9th. So there is a shorter time between the games, yes. but that's because Queen with Adam Lambert are playing at LA Stadium on the Saturday so they can get in. <laughs> I, I just, I don't like the format. And I'm not alone. A lot of the players have been speaking out. Oh, it's a lot of the coaches, media, fans. Nashville's Dan Lovett's had a good quote on the new format. He said, the league gets to make up their mind and there's not really any say from any of us or anyone really other than themselves and wanting to make money on the format. Yeah. You know, it, it's great. It's, it's, it, I mean, well, we talked about this when it was announced, I think. Like, have you ever heard of this in football anywhere? A best yeah. of three for, right? Like, yeah. I, I know with, all, with replays in the, in the past, there's been times where you've had to have a second replay, but. Well, yeah. And like in the old days of the FA Cup, you would play until you got a winner. So sometimes yeah. it was like third, fourth replays of games. I know for Bayern, we had a, I think it was against Atleta Madrid and was it 76 where we had to, replay the, the, the what would now be called the Champions League final, right? The European Cup final, because the, the original one went went was a draw. Mm. Um, I think it was against Atletico. But the old sure. FA Cup final, it, it used to be exciting because if it was a draw, then... Because we never got the FA Cup final live in Scotland because it was always the same day as the Scottish Cup. So we loved it when it was a draw because then the midweek game got shown in Scotland, so we got to watch the FA Cup final mm. as well. Uh. But... Yeah, this best of three is just, it's trying to tap into the North American mindset as well as making a lot more money and more games for Apple. TSN are allowed to show eight playoff games. Are they How to? many of the Vancouver three games do you think they've penciled in to show? Well, I thought I heard it was just the home game. Just the one, yep. Yeah. A bit awkward. Yeah, I mean the now every I mean what they promised was basically all like sixteen or yeah sixteen no is it sixteen yeah sixteen teams are getting home playoff games mm -hmm. which is great for the owners and and all that right like it's you get a home game you get a home game and then it's great for the Apple deal like that's obviously it's all I mean, it's, it it's so much, the players are right it is all about it's all about money I I, I find it interesting that the that they don't have to consult with the the PA on that? Yeah, I think that may be something that is going to change 
I think there's going to be a lot of discussions this off season with stuff like that. Yeah. When it hadn't been announced of who was playing what, Rich Baldry had tweeted, I expect they're still trying to work out how they can get Messi to play. <laughs> yeah. and then I had a thought, like, maybe sort of wild card games, a wild card player. Messi pulls a ball out <laughs> and in that round of games, he'll play for a particular team. I wonder, I, I wonder if he'll like have to appear at any of these stadiums. Or you, you, he, but you, he'll be at the final, right? They'll have him there doing an appearance oh, at the I'm final. Sure. Well, I don't know, because they're going to be playing games over in China and stuff. Oh, right. Well, that's, yeah, okay, that's his duty, I guess, then. Mm. I'm going to bring you a little bit more audio now. So we're going to hear from Steve Cherundolo and Vanny Sartini. From Steve, it was after the, the game on Saturday. We're going to hear from him his thoughts on this playoff series and the playoff format. Vanny's just some stuff I asked him kind of midweek before we knew who the opponent was going to be and also just his thoughts on the, the playoff for, format as well. Here's the gaffers. could potentially be eight meetings between the two teams this season, which is kind of crazy, but what have you kind of learned about each other without giving too much away? Yeah, Vancouver is a team, um, you know, quite scrappy team, and if you allow them also some time and space, they can have the tools also to break you down and have some some uh, players they've added in this past window um, who you give them also a physical but also a technical advantage. And, um, you know, they've much improved. Um, playing consistently in one formation helps them as well. And their consistency in finding certain players and spaces and creating chances in a consistent and uh, methodical uh, manner. So um, a much improved side. Um, and here is always difficult to play due to the surface and tonight appreciating. How do you see a playoff series unfolding between you guys after a game like tonight? It should be close. I think you look at the West this year and not one team has dominated. So I think all of these matchups will be close. Um, uh, and unfortunately, um, some of these will be decided by penalty kicks, which we don't like, but it's, it's what we're going to have to deal with. What's your thoughts on the playoff format? In particular, the big space between the games. Yeah, the space is very unfortunate. Um, I think you sacrifice... Uh, a fluid playoff system like we had last year, which everybody was very pleased with. You, for the first time, I think in 19 years, the top seed in each conference played against each other in the final. Couldn't have planned it any better. Um, and you got a fantastic game in the end. Um, so it makes perfect sense to go and change everything. Just looking at the MLS Western Conference in general, I, I think no matter where we finish, whatever those four best of three series are, there doesn't seem to be any favourites across any of them. This feels like a conference that's wide open this year. I totally agree with you. I think that uh, uh, it doesn't make any sense for any team to make calculation. We're going to play this team, going to play the other team. The differences between teams are minimal. And uh, uh, of course, the advantage of being in the top four it's very important because in case of two games uh, 
Uh, so one one win each, the third one at home, and we know how hard is uh, winning away in this in this league. But uh, I would say that any series, like uh, even the number one against the, who win the play in, will be a fifty one forty nine for the the thing uh, that the team in the top four because they have the the advantage at home for the eventual third game. But uh, I think that again uh, uh, everything is. Uh, is very open, and uh, that means that uh, not only for the first round, but it open also for for a deep round. So that's what we want to do. Doesn't mean that we are the favorite or or that we we don't consider that a very hard job. But I think it's in our, I would say, possibility. Uh, not only look at the first round, of course, first looking at the first round, but also look on the possibility to do the deepest run possible. What's your thoughts on the best of three format and the fact that the games would go straight to penalties? Is that something that you like? Is it something that you would maybe have to approach games a little bit differently? In terms of approach of the game, uh, no, because uh, again, it's not like a, a home and away when every goal counts. So let's say in the home and away, give you an example, we are away, we're losing 1-0, we're not getting crazy in the last 10 minutes in order to tie, but we want to keep the the probably the structure in the way that, uh, okay, we're trying to score a goal, but if we don't score a goal, there's 90 minutes to score that goal when we are away, while in this, uh, in this game, every game will be basically a separate chapter, and we, we, we try to go. If I have to be completely honest, I'm I'm not crazy about this this format, and uh, I think the only way is, is a better format. And uh, uh, but again, we are we are here, so we'll play we'll play this format. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very 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 exciting, I think, for the team for for the fans because uh, uh, it it, it I, I think it gives the possibility literally to everyone, and it did reduce. The, it reduces the even if there's some differences between a team is a slightly better than the other team with this kind of format having the second game that you play home and you can win even on penalty I think it it, it gives more possibility to everyone to go forward You went to see the film Next Goal Wins on Monday so if they're going to make a film of the Whitecaps historic MLS Cup winning run who, who do you want to play you in the movie and who should play Axel? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, I think we can do a survey for the fans who who should play myself or should play should play Axel. I think uh, we should find some some very good actor that they can do an Italian accent and a German accent. That's the, <laughs> that's that's the thing. But you know, yeah, that, that, there's a there's a there's a lot of them. <laughs> So neither gaffer like this playoff format, and who can blame them? Shocking that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they both agree. I, I said it to Vanny there. The West is wide open for me. I don't think there's a standout team. In the East, there's a few you think, yeah, that's probably going to be the semis. But I, I think in the West, everyone is capable of beating everyone else in, in this series. It's going to be exciting. Mm. Just to finish off this part, 
the last question I asked Vanny there, a little bit of fun. Monday night, got to go to a screening of Next Goal mm. Wins, which yes. we're, we're going to cover in a in a show next month that gets released in cinemas on November 17th. So we'll talk about that film. We'll talk about the documentary as well. I need to get Zach to, to watch that. Vanny was at the screening as well. So I asked him who he thought would, he'd want to play him in a film and who would play Axel when they, they make the inevitable movie about the Whitecaps MLS Cup win in 2023. And I don't know who'll play me as well as I win my $800, but I'm sure <laughs> there will be someone playing me in the film as I collect my winnings. So Vanny said, I'll leave it up to the fans of who they think should play him and Axel. Always a dangerous thing. So we had some, some suggestions. For Vanny, Gord Armstrong says, John Turturro, that's a good mm. one. Mm. Arna Salveson, Roberto Benini. That's a pretty good one. Luck Canuck, Steve Carell. I could see him doing a Vanny. Uh, ben Cooper, Whitecaps, Mr. Dixon 10, and myself say it can only be one person, and that's Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, he could, do a, he could do a good Italian accent. Oh, it would be fantastic. Yeah. Vanny said the, the only thing is somebody had to do a good Italian and German accent, so I could put myself in the mix, maybe. No, 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 Michael, no. For Axel, the suggestions were Daniel Pulvers said David Cross, who I couldn't remember who he was. And then I Googled it and I was, yeah, I was like, oh boy, that is, that's a, that would be good casting looks wise. He's a little too short though, I think, isn't he? CD Pryor says Christoph Waltz. That's another good one. And Lord Canuck said Anthony Edwards. Ooh, Anthony Edwards has a look-ish. Mm. Although I haven't seen Anthony Edwards in a while, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he has no hair now? Mm. I mean, if you're Axel, Christoph Waltz would be an actor uh, uh, of a quality that you'd appreciate playing yourself, but mm. it doesn't quite have the look. But they can they can do anything nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. So get your suggestions in. Who should play Vanny Sartini and Axel Schuster and maybe myself in the... The White Caps twenty twenty three MLS Cup final film. Sir, who do you want who do you want to play you again? Johnny Depp. Why, why is that amusing? From from his acting abilities just to stress as well. Uh, yeah, my marriage yeah. with Caitlin is totally fine. <laughs> I think I should probably clarify that. No, that's I, I just didn't see that, that choice coming. But well, you don't look at Johnny Depp and think Michael Michael, with, Michael Michael with hair and a bandana. <laughs> Are you talking about these Jack Sparrow? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't. Or Willy Wonka. Or Willy, yeah. No, I don't see that for... Hmm. Last thing on Vanny. Extended for two years. His contract till 2025. Delighted for him. He's earned it with what he's done with the team, especially this season. Didn't men in, mention any options, so I think it's... Just that two-year deal, which is probably sensible. We talked about it off-air. I said, ah, two and two, give him a four. And you were like, no, I'd maybe just go with the two. Yeah. It, I don't know if you're actually aware of it. It was a little awkward. They announced the contract extension I, yeah, five not, minutes into the match. Yeah. And I couldn't help but feel, it almost felt like a little dig at MDS. The guy that took over from you, we've just extended him because he's been doing so well. Yeah. I would 100% say it wasn't, but I kind of felt it was almost like it was. It was also sponsored by Uber Eats. I mean, that's, I think that was a whole... 
<laughs> okay, that, that's actually kind oh, of... Oh, aside. Like, yeah, we were I talking mean... about it. I don't understand why you would do that into a game. Like, do it before the, just before kickoff or something. Get the team fired up as they kick off. Doing it it's... five minutes into a match was weird. Yeah, it, it was. No, yeah, you just don't do that. Like that's that's not a that's like a North American kind of thing, right? Like that's not a no football in the club, football club in the world would. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing no. that before. I think it was to fire the fans up. Vanny said it made him very emotional. He, he had to say to himself, I see, "Yeah, don't cry, I don't I, cry." I saw that. That that's the kind of thing you do at halftime, maybe if you really want to do it in, at a game. Even if they come out at the start of the second, or at half. the end of the game, or yeah, yeah, yeah or it's, yeah. So. Anyway, that is it for our Whitecaps playoff chat. We're going to keep their Whitecaps chat going though in the next part as I sit down with their latest Whitecap, Richie Luria. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ali Ahmed. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is the first of two songs in this episode from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of October from Italy. Gothic post-punk band They Die. That's a song taken from their second album released last year. It's called Emptiness Prevails. The track was called Your Hell, the last song on the album, one of my favourites on it as well. Great album, great band, check it out as always. You can find them on Bandcamp at theydie1.bandcamp.com and you can find their stuff on all the usual places. Spotify, YouTube, Apple, everywhere else like that. So the song there called Your Hell... And I think the game on Saturday night against LAFC was Ryan Gold's own personal hell. As I mentioned in the last part, he'd only missed two penalties in his career up until that game. Doubled that tally on Saturday. Hopefully he's got that all out of his system. As Vanny 
did say afterwards, though, in his post-game presser, he was impressed that Ryan didn't let his head go down, just kept pushing away, and that's kind of how you have to be. You've got to have the right attitude to, to play the game. And another player that certainly has the right attitude is Richie Larea. Larea, as we mentioned, I, th- I think for me, his best game as a white cap showed his worth, showed really what he can be to this team, hopefully going forward for the rest of this postseason into next season. That game against LA was the 12th appearance of the season for the 28-year-old from Toronto. And when you look at his stats that he's kind of put up in those appearances compared to the 18 games they had for TFC at the start of the season, for TFC, two goals, three assists from those 18 matches. For the Whitecaps, one goal, three assists from those 12 games. So he's on course to beat what he had with TFC in the number of games that he had. Also, of course, won those two penalties for the Whitecaps against LAFC. So you can't stress just how important Richie Larea could be to this team. I think he's going to be a good addition. It's taken him a little bit of time, possibly, to, to find his feet in the team, get the chemistry going, get just used to everything, the pitch, the formations, everything like that. But I think we're really starting to see his worth now. Got a chance to sit down with Richie this week just to chat about his move to Vancouver, his career so far, and his hopes for the future. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, and sit back and enjoy our feature interview for this episode with Vancouver Whitecaps, Richie Larea. I guess first thing really to to ask you, Richie, you've been here what about two, two and a half months now, I think it is. Yeah. How how have you found your your first few months here, both on the pitch and off the pitch? Um, I feel like I've been good. I think um off the pitch it's been nice. I've never really um experienced Vancouver before really so this has been obviously a change of scenery being out west and um being able to see this side of um Canada the side of the world is is nice so my family and I have been enjoying it it's been a wonderful place to to be it hasn't rained too much since I've been here so it's been all right (laughs) yeah I think you've just started now it's probably going to be about four months off it by the the previous years I mean how how difficult was it for you to to get you and your family settled here when you've been on the road for all those games? And I I guess one of the blessings of not having a Canada game in that September window is it gave you that time to get settled a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's been, obviously, whenever you move family in this game, I feel like it's difficult. And obviously with the little one as well, it's even more difficult. But yeah, we're settled now, um, or as settled as we can be currently right now. So it's been it's been all right but um yeah i think it's just the nature it's just the the nature of the business and the nature of the game here so you just gotta kind of just roll with it but yeah it's been um i feel like every move has its challenges but for the most part i feel like it's been pretty good actually vanny spoke about the 
you're one of the you're a player that you put a lot of pressure on yourself and you want to do obviously well for yourself and for the team getting that first goal a couple of games ago did that kind of take a little bit of the pressure off you that that you were maybe feeling yeah i mean i i, I do i definitely do put a lot of pressure on myself i think um i want you know whenever i step on the pitch to give everything that i can that's the type of player that um i am that's the type of player that i want to be every single time i step on the pitch so yeah i think um it's a it's a obviously the position i play you know people aren't necessarily i feel like maybe just because the way i play i get forward a lot so people do expect goals assists and stuff like that and i also do expect that of myself um but then i think sometimes i have to give myself the benefit of the doubt as well that you know i'm not a striker you know what i mean so it's um it's a tricky one but it, it was it was nice definitely nice to score um a goal because i feel like i've come close and i've been in and around the box a couple of times and it hasn't really come off for me just yet um so to get that one and to be able to score for it to be at home and all of that um especially in the game the game that we played we played very well against the best team in the west currently so yeah it was um definitely a weight off my shoulders and hopefully just a, a kick on for me to continue pushing on but um yeah, I would agree with um, what he said. I definitely do hold myself to a high standard. Um, if I don't play well, I'm the first one to to know it and stuff like that, you know. So I feel like this has been the way I've carried myself for um, a decent amount of time now. And I feel like this is why I'm able to, you know, wake up every morning and come in and try to get better is because I want to compete and I want to win. I want to put pressure on myself, I want um, the team to succeed and just all of those things. I, I mean, it's a, it's a great way to be. And I, I hadn't fully appreciated this either. It's something else that Vanny had said that you've not really played this kind of position before or on this kind of formation before. So has has that taken a little bit of getting used to as well as getting chemistry with your teammates and playing on a, on a non-grass pitch? Yeah, um... I, I think coming in, especially with the t- how well the team was doing, you know, it just is about finding your feet and trying to settle in and help the team where you feel like you can help the team that with with um, a team that's already doing really well. You know, I mean, before I stepped foot in this building, they were on uh, the trajectory going um, upwards. And now it's for me to see where I can put, you know, my qualities into the team and help elevate the team as well. So, um, yeah, it's a position that I have played, but it's, we, we play, um, I think it's just dependent on coach. Every coach plays a little bit different. So there are, um, tendencies that I have when playing with the national team or with Toronto, um, even over at Forest when we played with wing backs and then obviously being here as well, I feel like every coach had some tweaks that were a little bit different. So that's the same as here, you know, um, Vanny is, set on the way he wants his team to play set on the way he wants his wing backs to play so yeah it was um which i think is good for me you know um it challenges me it keeps me humble and um allows me to continue to grow and and learn and it adds um adds stuff to my game as well so it is uh it it was different obviously i had to sit down with him the staff and they walked me through the way wing backs play here and um yeah, I feel like um, every game that goes on, I'm grasping more and more of it, which is um, exactly what I wanted to to do. 
when you look at the the Richie that came into the league way back in 2016, seems so long ago, I'm sure to to you as well. To to the player that you are today, how do you feel you've grown and how your game's grown in that time? And also, like off the pitch, how have you grown as a person in that time? Yeah, honestly, um, massively, massively. If I if I'm being honest, um, the time in Orlando for me was a dark period in my career, and especially for it to be when I was so young and my first club and my first stint in the league, you know, it was, it was tough for me. And I think um, in the moment there, I didn't really see there uh, an out or a way up or out of that, out of the state that I was in. But honestly, I know it would have been nice to have played my first three years and to have already established myself. Like some of the guys that um, I came into league with that, that year or some of my friends that have been drafted as well that have, went straight into teams and played and I was the opposite. I went there and I didn't play. So um, it was tough. And honestly, it honest, it, it like made me um, in that moment, hate that period of my life. But then now looking back, obviously I didn't see it then, but those three years, I think oddly enough were the worst time of worst time of my, my football in life. But, also helped me get where I am today because I feel like without those really tough three years and playing with the second team, not, not playing with the first team for a year and a half, almost before I made my debut, all of those things I feel like made me uh, stronger in a sense where, um, you know, I, I've gone through, you know, a really tough period and I, I didn't break. Um, I definitely did bend a lot at times, but I, I I didn't break, which is, you know, good, um, good learning curve for me. And yeah, now I can, you know, say that cause I've made it out of it, but it was, um, a period that actually really helped me grow as a, as a person big time, especially just my outlook on life, on football and all of that. And then on the field, it helped me a lot as well, just so I, I know in the, in the future, which is now, and even for years to come, what that felt like not wanting to get back into that situation and what I need to do to stay on top of myself. And if things do go bad, knowing that um, just pushing through it is always a, a great solution on, you know, how to get through it versus uh, throwing the towel. in. so I would say, yeah, definitely massively from 2016 entering the league until now um, it's been a roller coaster. Um, I've been all over the place, but uh mm-hmm. It's um it's it's going well. I think I can't really complain from, you know, in 2018 being released there for you to tell me I'm in the position I am today with where I've gone, places mm-hmm. I've played, things I've done. You know, I would have laughed at you. You know, I mean, if you told me that's how it would have panned out. So I think it's it's gone really well, and I mm-hmm. hope it continues to go well and gets better and better each and every year. I mean, you you mentioned there like you came into the league young. Because you just had a couple of years at, at Akron, was being a pro always what you'd wanted to do? Like from from a very early age, as you knew that that's what you wanted. Yeah, it was like for as long as I can remember. When we were, I remember being in kindergarten, and I, you know, the teacher would pass around and put like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I'd always put soccer player, soccer player, <laughs> soccer. You know, that's all that I had in my mind from a very young age. So. um yeah, it's it's literally all I know. It's um, you know, what what I'm doing today as well. So I'm happy 
definitely happy to be here but yeah as a, as a child that's literally all i ever um dreamed thought about talked about with my friends that's all you know this is what i want to do so now you, you grew up in ontario toronto boy I, I know you're not from brampton but it's like the the number of players that seem to come through brampton come through ontario in the national team just now what is it in the water out there that's that's producing all these footballers <laughs> Yeah, I'm the juniors in Brampton, and I know Levante is as well. I'm I'm outside. I'm in Toronto, but uh, I just feel like Ontario in general. Just there's especially even on our national team. There's a lot of guys that are from Ontario on on our national team, and even more so. You're right. There is a, a decent amount of the Brampton guys on our national team as well. We need to the Toronto guys need to start. I'll I'll, I'll compete with them. <laughs> well, I mean, like talking about the national team, and then. I mean, when you're going through that time in Orlando, you you must have never thought, oh, I'm going to be at a World Cup one day, represent my country at a World Cup. I mean, that's just a dream come true. Yeah, yeah, it was, honestly, it, it was surreal going through that. Um, Yeah, yeah, surreal. But um, yeah, like you said, in Orlando, I would have, I, I was just... I would tell my friends it'd be you know it'd be great to just get an, a, a national team call up you know to see what the national team's like especially because um my teammate at the time there Kyle Laren and then Will Johnson came after as well we're both on the national team so I was able to see them firsthand and I've always you know I would leave sessions when they went away I'd always ask them what it was like and you know I always wanted to be in that position to be a national team player just because of you know the honor that people say it comes with playing for your country and stuff like that so um being able to play for the national team and then being able to go to a world cup was you know for me super super unreal um yeah i i don't even know the words to properly describe even going there you know from the world cup cycle we had to get to even enter qualifiers then two qualifiers and then into the world cup um yeah, honestly, great experience. I would, um, you know, trade nothing in the world for it. It was, you know, that moment at BMO Field um, when we beat Jamaica to clinch for the World Cup was, again, uh, like a, an experience and a moment that I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I know exactly, you know, every single detail of that game because of how important it was to us and the country. So, yeah, it was it was great. My podcast co-host Zach was in Qatar and he he spent time with your brother Reggie at the games and getting to know him and chatting away and so he wanted to say hi and just to let you know that he thought you were excellent down there. I've heard his experiences from it like in Qatar it's one of those World Cups where everything's so close and we're never going to get that again by the looks of it with what's coming down the line. How how do you look back just at the whole experience, not even just on the pitch, but just being there and being in that atmosphere? Yeah, um, the atmosphere, the stadiums, the prep to the games, the matches themselves, all of it was so good. You know, I think it was a well, well planned and well executed World Cup from from Qatar. It was, you know, pretty seamless for all our families and all of that stuff. Um yeah, it was it, honestly it was great. And like you said, it, it, everything was super close distance that you didn't need to 
get on a plane to go to a different city or whatever it might might be to play a game you know everything was super close which was also really nice and i think good for fans as well you know my um origins are obviously Ghana my parents and my brother got to actually go watch Ghana play a few of the games along with some of the other teams because you know everything was right there so um yeah. i think overall an experience for honestly everyone fans family players staff whoever it might be i think it was it was good because it was yeah just i think smooth and a very well organized uh experience for everyone the the canadian national team now it's a new era john's moved on i've known john for many many years and did it feel different in japan or did it kind of still feel the same amount of being there um, I would say a little bit of both. Obviously, with Morrow there, he's the familiar face for everyone on the team. So I think from that standpoint, guys were comfortable and, you know, knowing what Morrow wanted and Morrow still implemented a lot of stuff that we would do with John as well. So it kind of felt um, similar in a lot of senses. But then as well, obviously, it's very different. You don't have... Um, john there that's been there for the last five years and the job you know he's done with with the national team i think um there's there's a lot more credit than it, it actually gets because he took this national team to a place that you know many many people uh didn't believe this uh nation could get to this country could get to and i feel like all eyes were on 2026 because of hosting and getting ready hopefully being ready for that versus qualifying for 2022 which i think was out of the cards for a lot of people you know i think getting into qualifiers was enough for some people you know so yeah obviously having him him not there this camp was a little bit weird obviously because of what he's done for us as a group and i feel like how consistent the entire core group of um players and staff uh, that remained at the national team for the last five years it was it was different and obviously his uh charisma the way he speaks to us the speeches that he gives us you know all of that stuff is um gonna be different now that he's that he's gone you know it's normal it's football coaches um leave and another one comes in and they're they may have some similarities but like obviously it's not going to be the exact same person so um yeah it was it was different and um but i think that's football and i think that's normal you know and um yeah, he's done he did what he needs to do with the national team and he did a fantastic job and now you know we're with uh moro moro for the foreseeable future and hopefully yeah. it's um a very good time with you know with him as well and we can continue to keep the building blocks which i know moro Mar moro's trying to do and he's gonna do it to the best of his ability abilities and has the abilities to do it as well and has the players and all the tools he needs so um yeah it's just now i guess looking looking forward now i mean the uh, not overlooking jamaica because that's a very tough game the way that they're playing at the moment but copa on the horizon next year to get a chance to play against some of those south american giants i mean that just must be so exciting for you yeah that's honestly like you said, we need to take care of business against Jamaica, definitely, because I think that's a tournament that this nation needs to be in because you're going to get high quality games from all of the teams in um, Copa America. You know, the um, teams there are very different from teams we played. We've obviously played uh, 
um Uruguay, but um I feel like in that type of tournament and that type of experience is going to be a completely different beast and you get to, you know, go head to head with some of the best play- players in the world. So it's um perfect preparation leading into 26 to be able to play against teams like that, especially with um the World Cup um reigning champs and probably who's going to be a favorite to win the 26 World Cup in um the Copa America as well as, you know, that's everything dream of and more you know to be able to compete against teams like that and show you know exactly where you're at so i think that is a very important tournament for our nation to qualify for and then go there and do well and gain experiences playing against top top opponents going back to white caps playoffs we're recording this before the lafc game but it's going to go out just after it so by then we'll know who's playing but i asked fanny this this morning I, I don't think it matters who's playing who. This feels a wide open Western Conference just now. Any one of the, the nine teams that's going to be in could get all the way to the MLS Cup. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree 100%. We even speak about it within our building here. When we're playing and when we're firing, we can beat anyone in the West. And obviously playing St. Louis here and beating them in their first in the, in the West shows you that on our day that, and when we're good, we can beat anyone, but I do agree. I feel like, especially when it does come to playoffs, it's a different beast. It's not normally, it's not always where the, you know, the, the top team in the, in the conference is the one that runs away with it. You know, they're always going to be tough games. I think this new format as well is going to take some getting used to for a lot of teams. So it could catch some uh, teams by surprise as well. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think, like you said, any of the nine that get in, obviously will fancy themselves and think they have very big chances of going all the way to MLS Cup. And that's exactly what we think. And we want to, obviously, from this the game against LFC, set the tempo from there and then just kick it on into the playoffs and, you know, make our run. And we want, we want to get to MLS Cup. So that's uh, exactly what, um we're doing here but obviously we have to take it game by game and we'll have to take care of business but um that is my um my view and goal for the club is uh you know every game climb climb and win these games and get um to the ultimate goal which is mls cup just last thing i'm not gonna put you on the spot i wouldn't do that to you but obviously you're on loan here to the end of the year is it is it weird like do you still think of yourself as a nottingham forest player or whatever club you're on loan to, is that what the mindset is? That that's that's who I'm with now. I'm I'm very much so an in the moment person. Um, so the me being here is I'm fully and only thinking about being here right now. And once you know it's my loans up and the decisions need to be made, then that's when I'll start thinking about. It. Obviously, I know my representatives, agents, all that will be. Um, dealing with all that stuff while I'm playing. And I honestly don't like hearing anything. So I always tell them, yeah. you know, just leave, leave me alone. Like, let me play. Let me let me deal with what I have to deal with here. And then when, when everything's said and done, we can regroup at the end. So, yeah, that's that's the way I am. I, I don't think it makes – some people do it. Um, I just don't like doing it. I don't like looking too far into the future. And I like to be present and be a now person. So, yeah, right now all um, I truly am thinking about is – this uh this team and the game this weekend and then after that kicking on into playoffs and then 
when when all of that's uh, said and done, I can sit down with my family, representatives, all that, and see where um, the next steps will be. I think that's a good way to be. Hopefully the rain doesn't put you off in any way for looking forward. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Sound good. Nice to see you. You too. Take care, Richie. You too. Have a good one. Great stuff from Richie Larea there. And we'll unpack a little bit of that in the next part and just... Talk a little bit about his, his, what his future could be for the team. I think it was a very open and honest interview there from Richie. He chatted about just the, the difficult time it was when he first went to Orlando. Now with his third team in MLS with the Whitecaps and hopefully pushes on. Hopefully a deal can get done to, to keep him here next year. We'll see how all that plays out. We'll talk a little bit more about Richie, salaries, and some more Whitecaps chat in the next part. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Kicking off this part, the second of our songs tonight from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of October, Italian gothic post-punk band They Die. A song taken from their second album as well, Emptiness Prevails. It's a Bauhaus cover, The Passion of Lovers. You'd know all about that, Zach, eh? You're a lover, not a fighter. Unless you've got a flag in your hand. Oh Second flag dig uh, this episode. <laughs> I, I genuinely love that cover um, of They Die from Bauhaus. And, oh, sacrilegious to say this, I prefer it to the original. Mm. Very good song. I, I, I'm not familiar with the original, I don't think. You know Bauhaus, though. I, yes, yes. Uh, not well, but yes. Well, that's good because they're going to be kicking off the next part. Oh, there you go. 
We're going to keep the Whitecaps chat going in this part. We heard from Richie Larea in the last part, and we'll, we'll just touch a little bit on Richie and look at salaries and some other stuff in this part. So, I mean, Richie there, candid, frank, spoke about the tough times he had coming out of college in Orlando, made him question mm-hmm. whether he was going to really make it in the mm-hmm. game or not, and he's he's very happy here. I, I love the attitude that he's got. He doesn't want to get into contract talks now. I, I like that, how it's not... Um... Yeah, he tells his agent, whatever. We're not. Ta- I'm not talking about that with you until what what I'm focusing on on the pitch is done. Yeah, I think it's a great great approach. It, it's and, a great attitude to have. It's like yeah. I don't want any distractions. Yeah, I'm a Whitecaps player now. I know I'm on loan from Forest. I got a job to do. I'm a Whitecaps player. My yeah. job is to win an MLS Cup. I've come close before. This time I want it. I don't want any outside distractions at all. You you can talk to the club, sort it out. Tell me at the end of the season. Because Axel was asked this week about whether they had a deal in place with, with Forrest. Har asked him at the, the midweek press conference. I'll, I'll, I'll play what Axel had to say. No, there's nothing pre-negotiated with them. Uh, we were running out of time. We were trying to get that over the line in the last days. But we had only more or less 24 hours to get the deal done. So we, we stepped apart, set aside from that and, and decided to get the deal done for this time and then to continue to negotiate with them at the right time for for the future. It was a little surprising because when the deal was announced for Richie, it, everyone jumped to the assumption that there was a a deal in place to to make it official and permanent at the end of it. But it's not, because as Axel explained, they were running against time to get this over the line. So to get it over the line, it's like, okay, we'll take him on loan and we'll we'll talk about it later. A, a risky thing, because obviously if he plays out for skin, the deal could be a lot more. But also, if it doesn't quite work out, you can walk away, the player can walk away. He's given you a, a good couple of months and a, a good time in a, in a playoff push. No hard feelings, let's move on. So in, in that regard, you can see the positives and, and the negatives. Are you surprised that they, they would take this risk that he could just walk away at the end of the year? No, I, I think everything Axel said about it is, is logical. Uh, it makes sense of how these things work. If any, I mean, for, even simply for those who've played, you know, uh, EAFC or whatever, 24 on, you know, on your game console, you know that when you're trying to sign players, it's not a, there's, you're a limited amount of time. And sometimes you run out and you don't actually sign a player because you want them. And in the real life, it works the same. And, you know, um, and, and yeah, when you're playing, you know, that, that game, you also know that it can, some clubs won't, won't do a loan deal with you if you're asking for a buy, right. Or that's going to take you more time to figure that mm-hmm. out and stuff. And so, it it, may, it all makes sense, right? Like that, um, they were doing it quickly, and to get the the detail done on a on option of buy would be would take more time and the time that they didn't have. So I, I don't I don't blame them for that. I also think it actually might work out to their benefit, right? I do because, as well. I, th- I think I think it's been a good bit of business, really, all round. Yeah, because if they had if they had agreed on a term back then, I think it would have been. What a, what a lot of people would have felt would be too high. Yeah, 
Oh, and then the, he, the, he also the, don't want another Gressel situation where yes. yeah, he liked it here, he liked the team, but he wasn't really settled from a family point of view. Yeah. And like Richie spoke before and he spoke there, he hadn't been to Vancouver really. He hadn't spent time here, aside from a fleeting visit or whatever to play a game. Yeah. So it's like you've got to settle in with your family. He's just got a young baby. So it's like, how are you going to fit in here? Your whole family's out east. You've got the former Canadian national team head coach out east now. I mean, you're not telling me Herdman's not going to make some overtures to try and get him back to there. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. There was a lot of scuttlebutt online this week when the salaries came out. Larea's salary is $1,436,338, second highest on the team behind Gold's $2.5 ahead of Andres Kubis's $1.15 million. And folk were like, oh, that's so high. It's it's crazy amount. If you want to sign players from Europe, and especially England, mm-hmm. these are the salaries that you pay. This is a drop in the ocean yep. for what players are making there. Players are making six-figure sums in pounds a week. Yeah. You've got League 1 and League 2 players in England making obscene amounts of money. It's going to be the same in other bits of Europe. So it's easy to sit and go, oh, why don't we sign someone from one of the top five leagues in Europe? This is why you're paying for it. And as we'll come to in a sec, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get success just because you're paying that salary. Nope. (laughs) Axel was also asked if Forrest were paying any of the salary and they were up until this point. So I think they were paying someone who was at TFC. But as soon as the Whitecap deal was there, the Whitecaps are picking up the whole salary. Cordova had moved on, so it's kind of just a like for like. And I think Axel at that stage was like, look, we've been paying this anyway. Let's just get this done, get him in. He can be a difference maker for us. And as he showed against LAFC, he most certainly can be when he's on his top form. It it does show, the salary part does show the challenges that exist in terms of bringing him here long-term, I think. You know, for what he his his value will be in terms of transfer, but also what they would need to to pay him to keep him here. Hence, why there was the rumor or talk about him having to be a DP, yeah. which also creates perceptions, which we've heard lots about within well, amongst the fans about wow, you know, and the pressure. I mean, he he spoke in the interview there that he puts yes, a lot of pressure yeah. on himself, and yeah. that he he holds himself to high standards. He realises he's not a forward, but because he gets forward a lot, folk expect him to score more goals, and he expects to score more goals. Add a DP tag to that, and that's a lot of pressure on a on a guy. I think they can definitely get a deal done where he's going to be a TAM player, and maybe this is a bit of a, look, if you sign, we'll kind of front load you for these little months that you're here, and then we'll, we'll look at it later. So, I mean, who who knows? I mean, Sam Adekugbe's come in. He's come in from Europe, and he's on 817,516. So again, a, a big ticket because you're coming in from Europe. But then you've got a junior Hoylet on 228. He was a free agent. So that as well, it's a good pickup. It, it's, it's, that's good value. In yes. theory, he maybe hasn't been performing on the pitch. We need to see more from junior for sure. And I'm, I'm hoping that goal that he got in Japan, yeah, Canada will spark him on a little bit. He's still obviously getting up to full fitness and everything. Just looking, I mean, we've 
talked about salaries when they first came out, but just looking a little bit at the Whitecap salaries and the input that they've had in the team this year. I mean, you've got bargains. Ali Ahmed, scorer yesterday, 94,819. Great deal. Yep. Young lad, first MLS contract. You expect that. I hope they reward him for, for his good play and, and keep him here and get him a good deal. Javane Brown, 153,688. Javane's versatility, the minutes he's contributed, and just you can rely on him, maybe just for an hour. He struggles to seem to go past an hour at times, especially when he's been away on international duty. That's that's a solid... Like, if his salary isn't going up loads next year, you keep him here for that, just yeah. for what he can offer that team. Yeah, and Sebastian Berhalter as well, and went just over 160. I mean, fantastic players to have in those deals. The I, best forgot young, I, I forgot how young he was until you said that. Right? Yeah, I, I actually had as well until I was checking. Because under 23 vote, you're like, who the hell is it then? <laughs> who can we vote for here? Pedro Viti as well was in the under 23 category. So. Best value, Brian White on 511. I mean, for that output, fantastic. And I think Ranko on 580 for what he's grown into this year. And I, I've changed my tune. I said otherwise in years past. But I, I think he's good value for a centre-back for that. We don't want to see him on tons, tons more. No. But I think for what we're getting from him, Mr. Steady, Mr. Reliable, he's been missed when he hasn't been playing. Yeah. Less, less, less on goals lately. And, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Flip side, centre-back-wise, Laborda. Although he's not a centre-back. <laughs> right. Someone should tell him that. Um, 903,625 is horrendous if you're not going to be playing him as a starter you yeah. cannot have that on the books or, or, and when he has come uh, in he hasn't been fantastic either on the books or sitting on the bench yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Tiber at basically 450 so I saw a bunch of this so they honoured his 300th game right before yeah. his mum and dad were there, it was a really nice ceremony it was it, it was very well done. One thing the Whitecaps have done are those kind of ceremonies. They've done very well with those. And this was another one. It was a really nice touch that his parents here, they showed some video of him as a little kid. Um, yeah, nice little tribute to him. He's been a great servant to the club. Surely he, his time is up. Yeah, I was going to say, it's unfortunate he was injured, right? So he couldn't be involved in this game. Yeah. Um, but... Uh... But no, but like seriously, his deep contract's not up though, right? No, well, um, they no, did give him an extension. I don't know if he's in an option year or not. I okay confused with all that. I know we talked about that earlier in the year, but yeah, yeah, obviously you can't bring him back uh, if he if he is. Uh, I mean, if he's under, if he's on a guaranteed year, then there's nothing, well, yeah, have, nothing you can do. But if choice. he's on an option year, then you can't bring him back. Surely, no. I mean, no. Unless they're getting him to stay at the club to do a different kind of role or whatever. But, I mean, surely he wants to be playing as well. Yeah, I was talking with some people about this recently. Like, would you know, would he would he be able to... Would he go and play in, like, the Canadian Premier League? Uh, you know, like, when he's done, when he's done his well, time in... the salary MLS. cut would be massive. Well, the, yeah, that's what, probably what I was saying. I was just like, yeah, the the salary cut, I don't know how, how it would infect him emotionally. Which is the nice way to say is because his ego take. <laughs> well, no, but he's also he's a very sensitive guy as well. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then, yeah, and then it was it's just on the pitch. 
could he be a, a a dominant central midfield player or attacking player at the, this at this age? Obviously, we know he can run forever, but at this age, um, mm-hmm. in 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 the in with with their standard of the league is maybe he could maybe but but I mean if he's on a big ticket or as big as a ticket you can get in the CPL you need a performance you need yeah. goals or assists out of him and yeah. that's been lacking from him for many a year now so I, yeah I don't know where he goes but yeah it's an interesting one they presented him with a big jersey with three hundred on the back mm. squad numbers have just got ridiculous now. <laughs> Either that or he's going to Liga MX, I don't know. Do you... Yeah, Liga <laughs> Start those rumours now, he's joining up with Cava down there. Uh, the, the other big, like, whoa, salary-wise for the Whitecaps, shop, again, the European factor, but nine nine two five hundred Came off the bench late yesterday. I mean, I, I don't think we've got f- from shop what I wanted or what the club probably wanted. He's been good, he's been solid. Yeah. But you can get good, solid domestic players on about a third of that salary. Yeah. I mean, and you've got Ali Ahmed on 92. <laughs> Actually, you've got Ali Ahmed on a tenth of shop salary. Yeah. But again, he's come through, I mean, the whatever, Toronto Academy and, and, and then the Whitecaps after that, right? So... yeah. It's a, it's a very very different situation, but oh no yeah. I know I know I know highest paid players in MLS. I mean I, I was stunned. Some guy from Miami, uh, Lionel, someone, twenty and a half million. Shocked it was so little. Yeah, well, that doesn't include all his shares or all. No, his, yeah, he's going to have a lot of add-ons. Yeah, if he's on a goal bonus, which you would imagine he would be, he's probably rolling in about forty million by now. The the biggest bust of all in Signe. Fifteen point four million with TFC. Crazy money. Shakiri as well at eight point one five three. Great for selling jerseys. He's a. I I loved chatting to him last year. He was a, such a down to earth guy. He was a great performer on the pitch. I think Chicago put all their eggs in one basket, and they needed to spread spread the wealth, which we'll come to in a sec about spreading the wealth. Chicharito seven point four. That's a little bit understandable. Yeah. A little bit understandable. Plus the jersey sales and stuff. Then Bernadeschi at 6.295. That rounds up the top five. Then you've got like Driussi at just over six. Not as good a year this year, but it's like at at least a guy that has performed as in Chicharito last year as well. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Gold is 21st highest Um. paid player in MLS. So I looked around the team spends and for me... With my view on this, it's like wonderful reading. Whitecaps' salary as a team is the sixth lowest spend in Major League Soccer. 24th overall from all the teams, if you look at it that way. 13,626,865. Philly, Red Bulls, St. Louis, Montreal and Orlando are the five teams spending less than the Whitecaps' Five of those bottom six teams, including the Whitecaps, are in the playoffs. How does that how does that work for St. Louis with all their extra gam? Is that well it's weird because St. Louis spent eleven million one hundred and eighty six thousand seven hundred and eighty seven. So they're the twenty seventh overall. We're gonna look at median salaries in a sec as well. Their median salary 
their average salary is 112,833. What? Yeah, that's their average salary. That's so I don't know, there's got to be GAM and TAM and stuff coming into play there. Yeah. I They, they launched an MLS credit card this week, which I looked into getting. You're not allowed to pay off your balance with GAM, <laughs> which I think is absolutely shocking. No, <laughs> so I'm not going to apply for one. Oh, man. Yeah, Orlando spent 9.6, just over 9.6 million. Last place in spending, second in the East, just went and whipped TFC's ass with all their big spenders. Yeah, well, and and Poppy Oscar Pereja is running that show, right? Who's yeah. notorious for bringing through, finding, developing, uh, growing young players, right? So I mean, I, I I love it. It may makes sense, a little bit of sense. Yeah, but they yeah. have been a, they have been a team that is typically in the past had at least one really big Portuguese Brazilian. Yeah, you know, star where they had Kaká, uh, they had Nani. Yeah, St. Louis on the way to win the West. Had the 27th overall spend, just over 11 million. Cincinnati spent a little bit more than the Whitecaps at 14.3 million. 21st overall won the East Support of Shield. Fantastic season from them. So it was no surprise that Miami lead the way in spending on 39.4 million. So half of their salary, more than half, goes to Messi. Toronto are second, a staggering. 31.6 million they've spent this year in salaries to finish second bottom of the East, third bottom in MLS. Then the Galaxy, third in spending on just over 25 million. So you've got the bottom two in the East and the second bottom in the West as the top three spenders. Of the top 10 spending sides, only four of them have made the playoffs. LAFC, Atlanta, Seattle, and Houston. Of the bottom 10 spending sides, two won their conferences and eight made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, it's always been you build a team more than just have a big few money buys or one big standout signing that could get injured at any point and your investment. Like Messi in game one next year, could come to BC Place, twist his ankle on the turf, he's out for the year. Right, but I mean, even in a team like Vancouver, that happens to Ryan Gold or... Oh, no, I know. Even right now, without... without, And you do get, for a season-ending injury, you obviously get... Some relief. Yeah. Yeah. The Caps are slap-buying in the middle when it comes to spending in in 14th, for for median wage, sorry, Mm. which is 297-233. I like that. I imagine Vanny likes it too, because he's a socialist. I'm sure he's all about spreading the wealth amongst the players in the team as well. Miami, interestingly, their median wage is 310,000, 11th overall. LAFC lead the way in 450. So in addition to Messi and his elk in Miami, you've got to think that the door is going to likely open up now to others wanting to come to the league, those that don't want to go to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of rumours that they're pushing for four DP spots, the discovery rights are going to go, some of the other mechanisms are going to be tweaked, maybe new ones brought in. We've always talked about the evolution of the league. We could be about to move into MLS 4.0 if the Hmm. spending and the cap and everything goes. Can the Whitecaps compete? Should they try to? Looking at 
like spending and performance this year. Obviously, not every season's going to be like this. Well, JJ asked Axel about that midweek, so I want to play you what he felt about competing money-wise in, in the new MLS. Um, in the past, uh, you know, Bob Lenarduzzi at one time said he wanted the, the club to be a top 25 club in the world. Uh, Jeff Mallett said that, you know, we wanted to get back in the, the top third of spending in MLS. Are those realistic now in the light of how the league has evolved? I'm not commenting on anything that was said before my time. I think since I'm here, uh, I would I would still stand for every comment that we have made since I'm here. But those comments definitely haven't been at that time. So I think it goes back to what I said before. We want to we want to develop this club in a sustainable way, uh, year by year. We want to do that in a certain concept uh, with a certain philosophy, and that we have been very clear about from the first day on. Um, and I think if we continue to do this and at the end of every year, we all agree that this year has been a step forward, we will, we will get into a very good place and we can compete for, for more silverware than we have won already. Um, but, uh, look, all the other things, there are a lot of things we cannot even influence. <laughs> they are outside of our scope. So how does the worldwide soccer market develops? Uh, what are other teams doing in this league? I think also for Saturday, for example, the only thing we can we can really impact and influence is our own game and it's our own performance. And if we continue to focus on that week in, week out, I think we will become a better organization. And uh, if we become a better organization from where we are at yet already, I, I think um, everyone will agree this is a nice out view. So Axel? Well, first of all, he wouldn't comment on the bold statements previous executives have made, <coughs> top 25 <coughs> in the world and stuff like that. He feels that they can compete doing it what they've done. And I've got to say, the way that he has built the team under his stewardship, and we've spoken about this, it's been excellent. Can they compete? Should they compete? Should they keep doing what they're doing? Uh, I mean, can they compete? Yes, because as you've just said, clubs that are, many clubs that are in the lower end are competing and a bunch of clubs at the top end are not. But I think the the issue, the issue of ambition is there's a few layers to it. And so I think where they are in some ways, it does show lack of ambition to me solely based on the fact that I don't think they're, they've ever really utilized designated player spots properly outside of Ryan Gold. No, fair. Um, but I think the the bigger problem, and it, and it Axel kind of touched on it without touching on it, is it's a communication problem, right? And because I'm pretty sure one of the comments from... Jeff Mallet. Jeff Mallett, right? Yeah, he wanted, oh, to, he wanted I, to be top third. Is that the, the comment? Yeah, that's... Yeah. And that that was sure. one of the things he didn't want to talk about because it was well, before his time was, here. So. Seriously, it, it is a bit of a communication issue. Like, you need to communicate what you're trying to do, right? And so I think that's something that potentially even Axel can uh, do even better at. I, I like what he's saying in terms of, hey, I'm not going to talk, talk about some of these uh, ridiculous things that have been said in the yeah. past. But he's probably then, like, stop making these stupid statements. Yeah, oh, exactly. In the press. But, then, but then he needs to communicate to, to people the the ardent fan base, uh, those who are you know those who are the general sports fans in the town, 
and those who might be interested in them, he, they need to communicate what they are, what they want to be, where they're what they're trying to go when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, like, well, he's, spend, he's, spend he's tried and like he's talked about being like a bow bow and having like homegrown players. He's spoken about wanting, I think it was a third of the Canadian national team players to have come through the Whitecaps at some stage on in the 2026 roster. Yeah. So he's talked about well, stuff like that. Okay. I think he's done it in part. Yeah, I think, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think they need to get away from the comparison. They need to, they need to stop yes. the comparison. Definitely so you, move away but, from Ajax after well, yeah. everything that they're going through right no, now. No, but that's the thing. That's part of the problem. It's a comparison. You, they just kept on changing what they were comparing to. So it was Ajax. It was, there was times where it was, uh, we were talking about Columbus. Then there was times they were talking about Philadelphia because they never yeah. spent the money. And then... Uh, it would yeah, be but, more like East Fife. The, the electrical Bill Bell is not helpful to people who don't understand electrical Bill Bell or what they've done in Spain and, and their approach and stuff. And so you're that's... That's like you're. It's a, a dog whistle for like people who speak that language, but it doesn't communicate to the general public anything at all. A, a few people will be like, "Oh, I'm going to go research Electrical Bill Bow. I'm going to go Google them," but not in general. It's not the best form of communication. And com a comparison is 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 not helpful. Also, when you're trying to say, when you're trying to be. I, I think it's not. I think it's not the best way to define yourself to compare. No, I think I you totally want to say this is who we are. This is what we value. This is we're making these decisions based on us, not on the other people, not on whatever. No, this is not comparison shopping. No, this is this is we are going to be true to who we are, and we want you to be on board with us because we think what we're doing is the best way to do it, or the most meaningful way to do it. And like, I mean, frankly, John Smith from Abbotsford, who has a fan pack and takes his family to a couple of games over a season. He doesn't care if they're the next Bilbao. He just wants to see an entertaining team on the pitch that's playing good football. Yeah, and wants to have a nice night out with his family yeah. or whoever he's So going. that's where they kind of have to get it to. I, I think the club's communication is way, way better. And since Axel's come in, yes. there's none of these ridiculous, grandiose statements that come out. It, it's something that the, the league will continue to evolve and continue to change and I like the Whitecaps approach. I, I genuinely like that we've spread the money amongst a good core of starters and then you've got younger talent that's on cheaper contracts that will then get rewarded, like Ali, for having good seasons. Coming through you've got WFC2 now that if they can even just get one player every season out of WFC2 going down the line or one out of their academy, and there's some really good young academy talent coming through. Mm. And I, I talking about SFU at the start of the show, and Michael Hennessy, he lit it up in League One for the Whitecaps. He's lighting it up in his first season in college football. It's like, when was the last time that we had a young, homegrown striker that's come through the academy? Like, you've, you had Brody Hutema. Yeah, and Caleb Clark. Caleb. And it's like, this... I don't want to put tons of pressure on Michael, but you're looking, or I'm looking at this guy, like, I was so impressed watching him play in League One. And now, seeing what he's doing at SFU, it's like, wow, they could have someone on their hands here. Mm. And that's that's what they need to do, bring these guys through. Anyway, that is it for our Whitecaps and our MLS chat. Let us know your thoughts on any or all of that. We're going to turn our attention to the CPL and Vancouver FC in the next part. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Caden Chung, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
some black capes back on the rack. Bella Lugos is dead, the bats have left the bell tower, the victims have been bled, red velvet lines, the black box. Bella Lugos is dead. and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part I mentioned at the start of the last part when we played They Die it was a cover of a Bauhaus song had to dig out a Bauhaus song to kick off this part from 1982 album Press the Reject and Give Me the Tape the 10 minute masterpiece that is Billy Lugosi's Dead just a 90 second snippet from that 10 minute song absolute classic song such a good band if you if you're not familiar with them check out their back catalog so many good songs from Bauhaus and I, I chose that one aside from it being probably my favorite Bauhaus song but Bella Lugosi's dead he is but his birthday is October 20th, so we're just a couple of days removed from that. He was born in 1882. If he was still with us, he'd be 141. And you might think, why would he still be with us at 141? Well, remember, he did play Dracula, the undead. So if life imitated art, he could still have been around today. And for me, he will always be the the epitome, the, the Dracula. I love those universal horror films just something special about those black and white films i've got a lot of them on dvd and bella lugosi although his his life did kind of go off the rails a little bit in the latter stages of his career he had some drug issues was reduced to playing a kind of shadow caricature almost of himself in the edward film plan nine from outer space a film i i do love for all the being voted as the the worst ever film of all time and everything like that. We've spoken about that on the show before. I'm a big fan of Ed Wood. Schlock, yes. B-movie, yes. Terrible dialogue, budget, whatever you want to say about those films. Ed Wood, in his own right, was something of a masterpiece. Bela Lugosi died when he was making Plan 9 from Outer Space and was replaced by a a body double, but it was a body double that was taller than him and did not look anything like him and just wandered around 
with a cape in front of his face. Gone were his heady days from the, the Universal Horror films and all the Dracula films that he did, but absolutely fantastic actor, Bela Lugosi. So in this part, we're going to turn our attention to the CPL, focusing primarily on Vancouver FC, but I want to follow up from something on last week's show, our VFC chat about attendance, marketing and the like. So Vancouver FC held their end-of-season media availability on Friday. Myself, Zach and Felipe were there representing AFTN. Alex was there representing One Soccer and the CPL website. And we'll bring you a lot from that availability and some other interviews that we've done this past week and we're going to do this coming week with some of the VFC players. So we'll we'll bring you that over the remainder of the the year. Just bank some of that to, to keep the chat going. But got a chance to sit down with Vancouver FC co-owner Rob Friend just to chat about some of those marketing and attendance and off-the-pitch issues that we talked about on last week's show. What can the club do to, to get more fans, more bums in seats? What lessons were learned this season and how optimistic is he that there can be a bit of a turnaround in 2024 and how much of that does rely on success on the pitch? Well, we chatted about that and a lot more. Here's Rob Friend. And Rob, um, like Ashton said, uh, at the beginning of the season, it must have been super tough with the short turnaround. You mentioned even when you were unveiling Alejandro Diaz that you wish you had an extra year. You were a year early on this project. Now that it's a year in, and you have a proper pre-season, now you have everything in place, these structures, how are you hoping to sort of build the project as you wanted to now, a bit ahead of the timeline, but now having the time that you were expecting? Yeah, no, thank you. I think you, you nailed it. Is, uh, we, we started a year early. That, that's the reality um, for the various reasons, and, and we, pay, we pay for it. Uh, we sort of have the scars to now to show for, for this first year, but I think now, I, I'm somewhat grateful, and, and you know, Ashton and I probably had a lot more gray hair this past year, but because we started so quickly with this project, and the, the, the mechanics around the league to be a startup with, you know, versus other leagues of with some sort of expansion draft, we didn't have that. So really, really, we just saw what was out there within a matter of months, had to grab them, had to throw this team together, and I think it's really a testament to, to Ashton what he's done with this squad from from day one to the end of season. You saw this the improvement. I saw in training the first few weeks of preseason to the early days of early season to the end of the season. The training was was night and day, and that's that's a testament to what he's done. So that now we have a foundation on the field to work with. We have a foundation off the field. We have a full full built up front office. We have incredible staff now who learned so much this year. We didn't even know what sort of stadium we we're walking into. We got the keys the day before the, the home opener. We couldn't sell any tickets in the, in the off season last year and the leading up to the season. So there's so many things that that really was against us. And and you know as much as it pained me, you know, to see sort of you know two to three thousand in the stadium losing every weekend. I think really it's created that or gave us that adversity that we got through 
that now we really know, again, on the field, what we need to do, what we need to improve on, build that base, that foundation. Off the field, we have, again, incredible staff that now we know our fan base, we know our market, we know how the stadium functions, we know what needs to improve on and off the field, the game day experience. We have an entire now brand package that we can sell in this off season to really get to those goals on and off the field, attendance, partnerships on the business side, and then obviously wins on the field. Um, I really know, I think we are, we're all clear, we can identify what, what we need to do in this off season on and off the field to bring us that success uh, leading into 2024 and, and to build a, you know, an established club going forward. And really we have the goal to be the best club in Canada. I say that clearly is, okay, how, how are we going to get there? And I think we've learned so much this year that it's going to only make it stronger and better leading into this off season into next year. Rob, just continuing on the off pitch stuff. So we had a big discussion on our show this week, which ended up lasting an hour, which was good because we had feedback from fans about kind of why they haven't come to the team this year. One of the big things was marketing, that they feel you haven't got into the local communities. Did you maybe spread the net a little bit too wide as opposed to focusing more in the Fraser Valley this year? Well, I think I think it's easy. Look, it's easy to sit back and criticize, right? And and we're good at that. Um, we have an, again incredible marketing team, and I got presented all the data of all the events we did and all the community events. And yes, we we realized the net was spread too far, um, but that's normal here. We didn't know what our market was going to be. Was it all the way into Chilliwack? Was it deep into White Rock? Was it in the North Shore or not? We, we didn't know when we initially came out, we did surveys, people from Richmond were like excited, we're gonna show up. Did they show up? No, so now I think we really know who our market is and, and be a lot more efficient on our marketing. We had players every single week in, in different clubs, still to this week, every week, we have players showing up at different clubs around the lower mainland, but now we know which clubs and, and what that market is, that we can be a lot more efficient in that marketing. So I think we kind of had to spread the net and make mistakes this past year and realize that didn't work. That's not our market. That's not our demographic. Okay, now going to this new, new off season, we can be way more efficient on what we're doing. But I think it's very unfair to say we, we weren't in the community because we absolutely were, were, but we were spread too thin. We had, reality is we had lack of resources too. We were still building our front office, adding staff. Staff is new coming in, you know, and then you have to educate them, you know, you teach them. So, so yes, we made a lot of, that's normal. We, we had to sort of just go out there and see what worked. Again, I got a list of, I think it was over 190 events we went to in this past year. They said probably three or four actually moved the needle in terms of attendance. Even game day events, what worked? We had concerts, we had pre-game stuff. Well, that didn't work, that didn't move the needle. What did? There's so much data now we have, now we can be a lot more efficient because the reality is we're not a massive budget, we're not a huge club. We have to get there organically and, and now I think we can be a lot more efficient with, with, with what we're doing in the community. But certainly to say that we're not in the community is, is completely wrong because we've done more in the community this past year than any club I've seen in, in this league. But but it was it was like you know throwing a dart in, in the middle of in, in air, right? yeah. in air, it was just kind of landing all over the place, so now we can be a lot more efficient. I, I think what some folk meant by that was like, you know, on bus stops, you know, on buses, and people that are coming to games, they're telling their friends about it, and they've, they've never heard of the club. 
So I mean, I would you be looking to maybe have like local radio involved or get more of the local press involved? Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we've done radio again. Vancouver's interesting, right? Because mm. because radio, okay, what does that cover, right? Yeah. So like, there's there's certain radio stations, bus stops. What what is that, right? And all this costs money, and we, we have this debate: is do you spend your money on a bus ad where it's not you, it's not measurable? You know, and, and I could bring in our marketing team to debate this. We could all have a debate where you should spend your money. Should it be digital? Things are changing, right? Or do you go organic and go man-to-man -man combat and have our players showing up to the clubs? And the reality is, Vancouver takes years to be established. You know, use BC Lions, right? They're, they've been irrelevant for the last few years. They've had to pour millions to get those signs up to start getting that awareness again. And is it really moving? Is there an ROI on that? So we have to look at every dollar we spend has to be so efficient. Is a bus app really what we need? Or do we spend those resources somewhere else? And a different, again, we can have this debate about where the best spend is when you're trying to be efficient. So so I think I think it's it's very subjective how you spend your money where, where you spend your resources. I think that the bigger point is we have, we have a lot more data we know our markets now, and we can focus a lot more on that. And I'll, I'll be frank, the market is, is Langley, the market's Abbotsford, the market's half a Surrey, I'd say, and then it's Coquitlam. Okay, now we know that. And what are the clubs, the local clubs? What are the local soccer clubs that want to work with us? We know those clubs. Okay, obviously we're not just focused on the soccer clubs. What are the different other now demographics, areas, people that want are looking for something different than, than what's offered in this beautiful town of ours and all the different uh, options we all have and how are we differentiating game day experience we we're, we're rebuilding the entire stadium experience for next year because we know how the stadium functions now we need more we need more activations more food offerings better different beer we need our partners also supporting us marketing us right so the beer companies providing a branded beer for example and being in in, in the local craft breweries and there's so much more now that we can be doing in this off season that'll start to get that awareness. But the reality is it's going to take years for people to know what Vancouver, Vancouver, because we still don't know we, the league needs to do a better job of what the CPL is across Canada. And I have experience in the Pacific, a small island, a population of 300,000 took us. By year three, we started noticing people knew who we were and we didn't have to educate people. That was in a much smaller market with, with much less competition. So we're still competing with major leagues like, like NHL, like MLS. So how are we differentiating? Because we still have to differentiate what our product is, make it accessible, make it affordable, uh, and really make it the best experience. And it was, and we most of our feedback when people come to our games are they they enjoy it. This is great. I want to come again. It's now getting people back, but it's also getting people. A lot of outsiders going, oh, I've heard about this now. I want to come, but they haven't come to the game. So now we need them to come to the games. So that's going to take time still, and we have to be patient, but. As much as you know, I'm impatient. We're all impatient. We want to. We want to. I want to get six thousand every game, but that's going to take a bit of time. And but certainly in this off season, we we, we know now um, how to be efficient on that. The last thing about off field stuff, and then I'll shut up about it for you. Kickoff times. I don't know if you can share, but what have you learned about that and what works for you? Because we did the same chat about Whitecaps, and one of the feedback is seven thirty games too late. We can't take families along. But then, for yourselves, folk were like, afternoon kickoff times, it's not great, kids are at soccer, you haven't got a roof for the heat. How, how do you balance Again, that? it's something we've learned that this, this, again, we didn't know what was going to work in our market, right? And, and now we know how our stadium functions. 
Um, I think we got, again, now it's getting the feedback from our fans, season ticket holders. Um, so we've got a lot of positive feedback around the night games, the Friday night games were big success. People really enjoyed that. Um, I, I've got kids, I, I, on a Sunday, forget about it. You know, you, you're right driving around to soccer, hockey practice, all the different sports. So that's a challenge. So now, again, that's something we can be more efficient, building out the, the time and the schedule next, next season. What worked this year? What moved the needle? And, and it's also balancing around all the other yeah. all the other activities and, and events. I mean, there was there was days where there was a Whitecaps game, a BC Lions game, and a huge concert. And I'm like, how are we going to compete with that? But we still had 2,800, 3,000. So I'm like, okay, there's still an established mm-hmm. fan base that we can still work with, that are still showing up with all these other events happening. But you also now have to also balance that. Okay, now you have to look at the Whitecaps schedule, the Lions schedule. You know, you've got you've got the the giants that overlap. You've got the bandits that also overlap. So the, these little pockets that we have to work with as well. But now we also know what our fans like, and, and so we can we can build off that. Rob Friend, basically talking about what we what we t- spoke about last week, marketing, getting the attendance and what they need to do to try and get more bums on seats. I mean, you were obviously at at the thing with me on, on Friday, Zach, the end of season stuff, and you could tell Rob was frustrated but understanding as to mm-hmm. why they didn't get more than 3,000 fans and didn't pack the place out. And there has been a, a lot of frustration all round. We'll talk about a little bit of stuff just now. I mean, they mentioned there when I had said one of the feedback we got is they haven't got into the community and stuff. And he said, well, we've been to over 190 events. So I was thinking about that. He said only three or four have moved the needle in terms of selling tickets. In amongst that 190 events, like every week, players or a player goes to a local club and does a training session. So that's included in part of that 190 events. Oh, for sure, yeah. So that's only appealing to that market. So the folk that we had saying, oh, they're not marketing in Port Moody or they haven't seen bus ads or things, they don't know anything about that. It's the perception that they're not getting out more into the general community. Well, I mean, if you follow them on social media, you saw it on, like, for example, their Instagram stories, they'd share this, and the players themselves would share it as well. But the, I don't the, even watch I, all the white caps Instagram stories. Yeah, there you go. No, but they did more events than that. Michael. No, they, I, I, they, I know. Right. I'm I'm just saying that that's included yeah. in that, which is probably oh, yeah, a big it number. Is. It is for sure. But that's why but, only three or four moved the needle because you're targeting youth groups, getting to training and stuff, and that's not all they did. And I'm no, not saying that there were a bunch but, of cultural cultural yeah. events and, and, and football. And then they have events. they have games that then clash when these people are playing. Or it's night games and it's like, well, it's a bit late to get the kids out for 7.30 kickoff or whatever, depending on where they're coming from. They've evaluated and it sounds like they're going to be taking a few, uh, they're, they're approaching things differently in the, in the well, city. They've kind of nailed it down there and it's the first time I've heard Rob saying this. I don't know if, if you've heard him saying it privately or whatever. Oh, the no, markets yeah. that they really need to target, yeah, Langley, yeah. Abbotsford, Coquitlam, and half of Surrey. 
Yeah, because they said they engage. Yeah, I think that's probably like closer to as as you go towards whatever Richmond or whatever is probably not. The... I, I, well, I'm thinking those on the SkyTrain route or near the SkyTrain. Yeah, yeah. Hop on, yeah. go down at the Whitecaps. Way easier than trying to get a bus yeah. out to Langley. So, I mean, that makes sense if you're then targeting that. I would think Abbotsford, maybe Chilliwack a little if you were to go a bit further, but maybe there's not yeah. tons of folk. There are some people who do. Chilliwack. There are some people who come from Chilliwack, but yeah, I think Langley, Abbotsford, Surrey, and yeah, parts K of Coquitlam, Poco, that kind of area. Because Coquitlam, like Coquitlam Metroford, how many kids do they have coming through Metroford year upon year? They've got the adult teams as well. Yeah, but also, also I think part of this, like what you said, is like people. Like people on this on this side of the river, they're used to driving everywhere. Unless you're right on those, yeah. the sky train by in the part of Surrey, or those parts of Surrey, I should say. Same thing with the Coquitlam. Like having having lived there myself a little bit, my wife's family lived there for many many years. Yeah, you drive everywhere. Like unless you live right next to the sky train, there you drive everywhere, uh, or you're prepared to drive everywhere. Right? Whether it's you're driving downtown or you're driving into the valley. So, um, yeah, it, it yeah. It's a it it is like a this is not the right word probably but it is like a commuter club right it's for people who are going to drive to the stadium most people I, I would say I would I would say an extremely low percentage of people came on public transit even though I know a few yeah. I know some people who did right yeah and I mean it's tough for them and like the, the marketing team they have worked hard and it's like Steph that's in charge of it I, I adore Steph. Mm. she's my favorite person at the club i don't mind saying that it's like she's just always a pleasure to chat to and i know it's been challenging for her and she's been involved with pacific and this has proved way more challenging than trying to market in a small island community as well so she did point out to me that they did do some bus ads yeah they were in line oh, i like, told you yeah, i told you sent, was yeah, on the back of the bus. she sent me the pictures of it and they look stunning yeah but the rate of return yeah. For the rate of investment, it does not equate because they're very, very expensive. Yeah. And it's like, who sees a bus and goes, oh, I must buy a ticket for that? I do it for maybe a theatre thing or a play. It's like, oh, I didn't know Elf was on at this Christmas. I'll, I'll go and get a ticket for that. Although I won't get a ticket for that because I priced it out. $280 for two tickets on Christmas Eve to go and see Elf. Whoa. I could just sit at home and watch the movie. That's like <laughs> insane. 140 bucks a ticket. It's not like the West End or Broadway. Like, I'm going off on one of my rants, sorry. Like, reel me in, reel me in. We'll stop this being a three-hour show. So, I mean, that is the problem that the marketing team have. Where is the best spend when you're trying to be efficient? Where is your best rate of investment for rate of return? And that's what they're trying to learn. They've got a lot of data now for this year. They want to know what works best on game days have better game day experiences, food, entertainment, beer, get partners involved, kickoff times. Rob said there, the league needs to do a better job of telling Canada what the CPL is. And they do. They've so got to do a better job at marketing the lead and getting out there. And it's a tough one because everyone kind of needs to pull together and, and work together in Canada to grow the game. And you feel at times it, it isn't happening, and we'll hear a little bit more from Robin a sec, kind of addressing that. But they've got a lot of info now as to what has worked and what hasn't, 
and I think they will improve. We we got some good feedback from after the the show as well from from people, and one of them was breaking down the ticket costs, and I, I'd spoken to you uh, about that as well, and I was I was very surprised. Yeah, it came in from Van Cansey. He's got Whitecaps season tickets for $400, which works out at $21 a game. You get your merch discount. You get your Apple subscription. You get WFC 2 tickets. You get bonus matches for the first League's Cup game, the first Voyager's Cup game. I didn't know you got discounted parking. And there's some other perks as well. So that is a fantastic deal. Bang for your buck. VFC, he looked for an actual seat. So I know it's cheaper in the supporters end, the south end where you're standing, but he kind of got an equivalent seat and it was 340 which he said worked out $24 a game. I know we had a little chat about that. And all you get for that is your 10% merchandise and two bonus seats. If they threw in something like one soccer, I think it would be a way sweeter which, deal. Which clubs have in the past, right? Yeah. Or the inaugural year, everyone got jerseys, and yeah, there were some pretty awesome yeah. things in the past. I think I, I know some clubs have given away jerseys, and some Vancouver fans were a bit disappointed they didn't get that. I feel that's a little yeah, extreme to give away in a season ticket package. I mean, I, I will take a, a free jersey, so if, if Steph or anyone else is listening and they've got one of the nice black ones, an Ivan Mejia jersey, if one of those is going spare, send it my way. But, I mean, it, it, when you break it down, I mean, it's still good value at VFC. I'm not saying it's not. But it, it's been a tough season for VFC. Well, we're going to delve a lot more into uh, over the coming weeks and we'll have our usual December end of season review. We've got lots of interviews that we're doing, going to be doing, that's going to be banked and stuff as well. Yeah. So tell, uh, us, about, tell us about the last question you asked. <laughs> This has been a season of two halves. There's no getting away from it. It's clusterfuck almost at times in the first half, on and off the pitch, way better in the second half. A lot of hope to take into next year. What was the biggest challenge for both Afshin and Rob Friend this season? Here's what they had to say. To both of you, you're both very experienced in the game. Start with yourself, Ashley. What's been the biggest challenge for you this year? Uh, to be honest, the biggest challenge has been for me to work with so many amateurs around me. So I've been working at levels where everyone around me is is a, is, is is professional, top professional, world class in many ways, experienced, and then having to come in a level where um, we'll start with referee. Uh, where, where there's the level is, is, to be honest, is not where it needs to be. And we have to together, and I'm not trying to put throw anybody under the bus. I'm talking about constructively how do we uh, evolve as a, as, a, as, a, as a footballing nation. We have referees, coaches, players, we're all part of the same community, and we, we contribute to the, the quality of, of, of the entertainment and the sporting event, right? So... My feeling is that there was a lack of consistency that we saw, uh, and uh, did it improve as the season went by? No. And I feel that we have a period now between now and the next season, uh, and Rob has mentioned to me that there's going to be some improvements uh, from this season and next season, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
we really need to improve that part. Uh, obviously, within our own club, we have a little bit more control. We're surrounding ourselves in every position on and off the field with more professionalism. People that are full-time footballers and have ambition to become the best version of themselves. That's been my biggest challenge. What about yourself? I know it's been challenging off the pitch and on, but what would you say has been your biggest challenge, especially because you've been through this before? Yeah, and totally different, totally different experiences. I mean, Vancouver, it's its own, its own animal, right? With its own challenges. Um, what did I say? I underestimated Vancouver. Yes, but I don't think that's fair because I think in three, four years, I think we could look back and, and assess it um, properly. I don't think this year's a, a fair chance. Um, the stadium isn't where it should be. Um, it's not what we were promised. Um, so I'm frustrated with that. Um, that was a, there's there's some things out of our control that that we lost control of. Um, so that's something we're going to work on the off season. What is the plan there? How much are we going to invest in, in that stadium? Because frankly, um, you know, in this city, it has to be better from a venue experience um, to expect people to pay to come watch us. Um, I think the product. I've been in this league now five years. I mean, Ashton's walked in and, and I've lived it and he calls me every day frustrated because he's come from some of the best football environments because football around the world is, is extremely established. We're still a new country, we're still a new football economy that whether it's referees, whether it's administrators, everybody's new and, and I'm, that's why I'm here. It's because in 25 years I want to look back and say, we're, we're getting, we're there. It took MLS years, right? America's finally getting there after 30 years. We're still, and we have to be fair to ourselves, and we've got to stop shitting on ourselves, honestly, as a country. We've got to stop shitting in the media. Why is the media supporting us better, right? And, and it's a global game. I know it's happening. I, the World Cup is coming here. So how, you know, but it's it's a, it's a unique city, right? Um, it's a unique country. It's, it's a new sport professionally in this country, and, and remove three MLS clubs in this country. How do we, that's my daily challenge growing this league, is how are we going to, how are we going to make this country relevant? And it starts with our own local markets. We can't, we're not even relevant in our own local market yet. So there's things we have to do at the local level. We have things we have to do at the national level. We have to stop fighting with each other, right? And what are we doing? Like if we, we're all in this game together at the youth, local grassroots level up to our national team players, we have to align, right? And that, that's where I lose sleep. Why aren't we aligned? And we're all in this together. That's why I'm doing this. You think I'm investing in this? You know, out of spite or, or to, to ruin anything? Absolutely not. We need to create this economy together. We need to make it more professional. We're providing more jobs and opportunities in the game than ever, but yet we're fighting more, right? Which is which is incredible. That's it's a bit of a culture we have in this country. So there's a lot of things that that we're challenged with in this country alone, just culturally and, and being this new sport and it's, it's any any startup. Any innovation you do, you're gonna start. You're gonna have a lot of naysayers. You're gonna have a lot of headwind. But I do feel that the and I, I use the analogy, the handbrakes feel like they're coming off in this league a little bit. In Canada soccer, the World Cup coming. I think the fighting now is stopping amongst the players. There's a labor dispute. So that's you know, and I think there's a lot of stuff the media is covering that they don't know the whole picture. A lot of misinformation happening. So, but I think that's that's kind of clearing its way, and I feel like we're now. I feel like things are starting to line a little bit better, which is going to help us locally. But we need municipalities. We need we need better infrastructure. 
there's not a lot of support there in this country, in this, and, and so we're challenged there. But I'm not going to stop until until we get this thing right. Um, I'm proud of the city. I know the city deserves a world-class football club, and we're going to do everything we can to bring it. And um, it's not going to happen overnight. There's going to be more adversity, a lot of headwinds, but certainly we're determined to get this thing right. And we all want to look back, all of us that were part of this. We're all part of this. It's not me. It's not Ashton. It's not. It's it's all of us together. And, and I want to be proud of this one day, look back and, and hand this off to the next person that wants to take this on and, and drive this thing forward. But it's going to take time and there's going to be challenges. Um, and it's every, you know, every day it's a problem, problem solved every single day and, and continue that and, and, you know, stick to the dream and the vision that we have. But can I say that I've worked with a lot of countries with media and the four of you I've gotten to know. And I, I can tell, I can say that from the bottom of my heart, your sincerity, your professionalism, and the way you've treated us and the team and the players, I, I really am grateful for. And I'm really hoping that uh, our relationship uh, grows to that we can together help this game evolve and develop and this league to become really uh, an important league in this country. And I, and I think what Rob mentioned is so true about uh, uh, we have to unite and recognize that we have a responsibility to each other and to the game uh, to help one another to make it better. And I think that doesn't, nobody can do this by themselves. And, and from, from players, coaches, media, ownerships, and also the, the front office and staff, to even uh, the fans, we all have to help each other to build this game because it's a beautiful game. It's one of the few things in this world that connects us. Gene Gopby, Rob Friend, talking about their biggest challenges. And <laughs> when Afshin started his answer, there was a lot of looks around the room as to where is he going with this? Yeah. I'm used to working with professionals. I've been yeah. surrounded by amateurs and you're like, oh, where's he going? It was a very good answer and a very honest and let's be honest, real, true, realistic answer. The CPL, compared to other leagues, is run very amateurly in certain ways. And he doesn't mean that in a bad way. It's just the money isn't there. Yeah, it's where it's, where it's at. Professional standards. Yeah, he's talking about and where it's, it's not, at. It's not maybe... It's growth. And it's like, there is so much of the CPL that... But the money's not there to take it to the level mm -hmm. that MLS has, obviously other leagues around the world have. And when you've yep. come into a league like Afshin has, having been in the likes of MLS, the J-League, international football. Persopolis uh, in, in Iran. Yeah, which, I mean, we're talking to Alex about this. It's like, folk might think, oh, an Iranian football team. Yeah. No, it's massive. massive. It's, it's massive. like, it's a way of life. Yeah. Magnificent club. It's different levels. And it's been a, it's been a struggle for him. But I mean, Rob, he talked a bit about like he's he's having to decide what he wants to invest in the stadium. It it's not what he was promised. He's been frustrated by it. He knows that this market needs a better stadium and a better facility to get more fans out. The obvious things are roof, but it's not just roof. I mean, you're you're talking about other stuff as well. And it's like, do, do, does the team stay in Langley long term? That's also a question. 
for for another day and there's always rumours swirling about. Calling the team Vancouver FC leaves things wide open as well as to where it could go. But you, you've got to go where fans are going to come out. So th- there's that as well. And you want to be in a facility which if you don't own it, you feel that the city is giving you the full support. And I think it's we can say it hasn't been there this year. I don't think that's an unfair statement. This had to get started, right? Like this has been six years in the making. Yeah, and then it all has to get rushed at the end, and then it was yeah very difficult and not like like he said like you, you referenced there it was not done in the way it was supposed to be, and when you're dealing with um, public money or whatever, it, it doesn't maybe always. That's the get, tough thing. Get stretched the the way that you it, you would like or whatever. And it's and a community park as well. I mean, as Rob said, how do you make the league relevant in local markets in the country? In the US, it's taken about 30 years with MLS to get where it needs to be. Mm. I, I like to, it's like, stop shitting on ourselves as a country. Stop oh, the yeah. infighting. And it's, we, we have to, to grow the game here. I I, I totally agree with you. And, and Rob, like yeah, Rob talked about that, you know, that you can, we do need to do this together. And there are uh, things that, uh, for those who are trying to grow the game on a, in the club football, let's just even call it that, yeah, right? Yeah. There's, there's there's fractures there, right? And the, you're right; those fractures need to be healed. Yeah, uh, because right now we have people who are pulling for the same thing in different directions, and yep. it's it's not it's not going to be helpful. You've you've got the club v country battle, which you're always going to kind of have it in in countries, but when you've got in the club side, as you say, fracturing as well. It's like yeah. things need to change, but and the, the biggest fracture that I see right now is the between the 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 continued growth of a of a men's league and how to how to best start a women's league. Yeah, because we need That's both. The, I mean, yeah, there, totally. there's no getting away from that. One cannot succeed at the expense of another. And and that, yeah. that's the tough that's, thing. We've now yeah, got how does to that find work? how how both can thrive and succeed. Just to, to finish this, CPL final is set next Saturday. It's the OGs. Forge host Cavalry. I'll have to watch it on delay. I'll have to PVR it and try and uh, avoid... I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss the Whitecaps game. I'm going to have to stay off internet, basically, for all of Saturday and not watch anything until I get yeah, home. Yeah, I'm, I'm working as well, so I'm not going to be able to watch anything live. Ah, at, least I were, at least I won't it for you and you won't ruin it for me. Yeah. It was a good win for, for Cavalry over Pacific on Saturday. They made it harder than they needed to. It was looking at one point that they were kind of home and dry, but then a belter of a goal from Kakuta Mani brought Pacific back in it. A couple of big saves from Marco Carducci in stoppage time. Mm-hmm. Well-deserved from Tommy Wilden Jr.'s side. As uh, much as it pains me to say something nice about a player on Pacific now, it, it was nice to see Kakuta Mane finally kind of hit the form you... Would hope for for him in the in these last three matches and as he's done down well down the stretch and it's totally. probably earned him a deal next year. I guess we'll see soon enough. I, and I I have to think his deal was two years anyways, uh, but maybe not. I don't know. But regardless of his con- contractual status, it proved that he can contribute uh, yeah. in the in these big matches. And so you hope for his sake again. I hope it's not when he's playing Vancouver FC, but it showed that showed that what he can bring them and, and, and the option that it gives James Merriman. And to, though he set up their first two goals, scored their third. He created all their offense, essentially. 
Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. It, the sad thing is the Champions Cup won't be coming to the island. That would be yes. great. Calgary, Vancouver and Langford. Oh, if you could have got to all three of the games that they'd be hosting there, that would just be tremendous stuff. Yeah. But that, that is it for our football chat. Of course, it's not it for the show. We're going to finish with this episode's wavelength. And we had Richie Lurea on, still officially a Nottingham Forest player. So I thought, I'm going to dig out a song about Nottingham Forest. It's from a band that we've played before on the show, a Nottingham punk band. That'll surprise you. We, we featured them back in episode 478 with their song Saturday on the Terraces. This is a song that they wrote especially for Nottingham Forest after they reached the Littlewoods Cup final. That's a league Cup final, Carabao Cup as it is now, in 1990. They were asked to write this song by Stuart Pearce, who was a big fan of the band and loved punk music. This is Resistance 77 with a song called You Reds.
Resistance 77, you reds, their tribute to Nottingham Forest. That is it for the show, apart from our final goodbye, Zach. You find me on Twitter occasionally tweeting at Zachary M. And um, the football world's morning, another passing of another significant figure. Bobby Charwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He oh he was a he was a statesman of the game right like I I know obviously he played for a club in a country that I don't have never never yeah, supported me and, too but he was he was fantastic as a yeah player. but I know he had like the thing a thing for me that stands out is I know he had a lot of respect from you know uh, some of the people I respect who were stewards of Bayern Munich at various points and and yeah so uh i i text you know uh, some friends who are united people right away and just said hey uh yeah sorry for your loss him and his brother jack just two fantastic football brothers i've done so much for the for the game yeah see i i got to know jack first because of his coaching ireland at the 94 world cup um so it wasn't until i was growing in my knowledge of the game in the mid 90s and in late 90s that i came to understand oh yeah his brother was a bigger name than he was it's, it's, I mean, it, it happens because uh, we're all getting older. It's like you're just losing so many legends just in the last couple of years. It's sad. It's like lots of players that folk have grown up watching or knew about. And yeah. So RIP yeah. Bobby Charlton. You can give us a follow on Twitter at AFT in Canada. All our stuff on YouTube at youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. We'll have a VMSL game up on that, assuming I get out to BB5 Inter on Monday night up at Newton. And if you like the podcast, give us a review, star rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us. It's always very much appreciated, as is your continued listens and support to the podcast. If you want to support us even more, $3 a month, $30 a year for the AFTN Extra podcast. We'll be having a college-themed one coming out this week because it's going to be Thunderbirds week on AFTN. But until next time, when we're back talking about the white caps in the playoffs thanks for listening take care and mon the caps going to your first match is an experience you never forget the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go wow i'd love to play here one day if you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.